Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. With Hollywood Cole, I'm with Molly G, bro. Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog, millionaire Bollywood flowing up. Uh, my real friends never hear it from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose. I don't get you confused. I got a small circle, I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same business. But we got different views I got a couple cars I never get to use Don't like my women single I like my chicks and twos And these days all the girls are down the road Hey, welcome everybody. It is Thursday evening at 6 o'clock. That means it's time for a three solid hour show here of Southern Sports Central Course brought to you by all of our Great sponsors, the men and women who help us do what we do so that we can come to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios here in Somerville, South Carolina. Of course, you can call throughout tonight's show for three hours and uh, hook up with us live on the air. We've got a loaded guest list, but here's the number to reach out here tonight and give us a shout, 323-784-9681. That is, of course, the Tent Farm Hotline that's open throughout the show. It's going to be me by myself for most of the night, other than the guests that I'll bring in. Of course, I'm Rich Yeldon. Eugene is out and about. He's heading to, uh, well, Ohio State, the Ohio State, Buckeyes, is uh, where he's heading this weekend to do some training with a few players he may check in on the road uh, throughout tonight's show. We'll see if it works out. If not, we're going to keep this thing up and running because we do have a loaded show tonight, as we always do, at 6.30 on Thursday. It's Jay Williams, the commissioner from the South Carolina Youth Football Association. We'll check in with us. He'll talk to us anything uh, that's going on with these young men and women as they're preparing themselves for the upcoming season. And it is upon us as things starting to kind of stretch out a little bit. We've uh, seen some activity here in the low country with the Skiza guys. Uh, they've been allowed to work out, um, waiting still to see some of the other public schools start to get their wings stretched out a bit. But I do know there's a lot of camps that are happening. There's a lot of individual workouts. Uh, I know this weekend – uh, Perry Orth uh, will be in town here in Somerville. Actually, he'll be over at Mount Pleasant with QB1. He'll be working out uh, the quarterbacks in the area. So uh, we'll get that information out to you throughout today's show. Maybe even have Perry check in at some point today to talk a little bit about what's happening with his guys as well. Then it's 7 o'clock. Talk about training. How about this? Nick Penn, you guys may remember, looked way back in the mid-'90s. He was a quarterback on the roster over there with the Gamecocks. Came in here and uh, in the state out of uh, Miami, Florida, and uh, spent a lot of time over there uh, in Miami, actually. I talked to him today and got a lot of information from him. He went to Miami High School uh, back in the mid-'90s where he was recruited uh, to either come here to South Carolina to the Gamecocks or he was going to go to UConn. He picked the Gamecocks. Of course, Brad Scott was the coach then, and uh, he uh, he had some play time. He did get some playing time uh, with the Gamecocks before he transferred and ended up finishing his career over at UCF, we'll talk about that transition, where he got the most learning at, where he felt like he grew the most at. 
But then we're going to talk to him about something that he's doing now full time, and that is giving back to the community, as a lot of athletes do any way they can. He actually owns and runs virtual uh, QB training, where he'll get in a little bit more in depth what that is and uh, how that is, of course, um, giving you guys an opportunity. Of course, with social distancing, uh, it's kind of perfect timing, right? I mean, it's perfect timing uh, that you guys can work with him. Uh, he is currently located. He's in Florida, hanging out over there in Florida. But um, he'll talk to us all the way from uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. That's over there on the Panhandle. Uh, so he's an hour behind us. Uh, and uh, he'll check in around 7 o'clock our time, 6 o'clock his time there in Florida. Now, 7.30, we're going to get a basketball coach in here from Fort Dorchester over here in North Charleston, South Carolina. Of course, uh, the Fort had an incredible season. Fell a little short from what the Fort wanted to have, and that's a championship. But, boy, I tell you what, Coach Thomas had these guys rocking throughout the year. Watching them and Ashley Ridge really go head-to-head, I thought it was uh, some of the best basketball I've seen in a while. But, um, you know, you get over there with Coach Thomas McKelvin, he did an incredible job getting these young men prepared, getting them in through the season. We'll talk to him about the basketball season over at the Fort. And, and what this, I guess, Corona COVID-19 has done for his program. Because remember, you, you think about all these traveling basketball programs. We talk about it with baseball. Of course, football's got their things. But uh, basketball, kind of the pioneer in travel sports, right? I mean, they kind of started it off with what they did there. And I'm going to ask him a couple of maybe tough questions, but uh, we'll, we'll get some questions and answers out of Coach Thomas, see what he thinks uh, about everything going on. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to travel to, uh, to a place over in uh, – well, Green, well, excuse me, it's in Alabama. And uh, this one is going to be a first time and hopefully a many time. This young man is really working hard. He's a junior that's going to be joining our show all the way from Prattville High School in Prattville, Alabama. Uh, he is a very strong athlete has opportunities to play a couple of spots. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of dive in a little bit with this young man and, and talk to him about what's going on over there at Prattville High. And as you may or may not know, they've actually started practicing on Monday. And there are schools out there that are practicing, public schools that are stretching out a bit, kind of getting after it and uh, seeing what's going on over there with him. As we always try to get a coach, we always try to get a player and uh, some trainers in here. So tonight – you know, it is a very interesting show because we do have Jay Williams, who is a coach over at Woodland High School, but he also is a commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association. So he does a lot of different things, wears multiple hats in his daily afternoon. And then, of course, having a former college football player that played at South Carolina, that also played at UCF, who went in and played in the Canadian League, who played arena football. So he's going to kind of give us a lot of that, but he's also giving back talking about his training program and what he can do, and an opportunity because he's going to also let you guys know. Maybe you've got a quarterback in the house that you'd like to get a look at, and he's going to give you all the answers that you need to have there as well. And, of course, having the Fort basketball coach come in here from 14, Coach Simons, looking to have him in here to talk about what's going on over at Fort Dorchester. His season, I thought, very successful, even though it didn't end in a state championship. A lot of things to grow from, and we're excited to talk to Coach there as well. And, of course, Wrapping up 8 o'clock with our guest list, at least, with uh, having Mr. Jalen Herbert in here, the athlete all the way from Alabama. So we're going to get a lot of different things to look at. Uh, some other headlines and kind of touch base today. We're going to talk a little bit about this before we get into our guest list here tonight because there have been some things that have kind of come out. And uh, that being over at Florida State, as you may or may not know, earlier uh, today, Florida State's Mike Norville apologized to his team after – 
a star player accused the coach of lying about personally connecting with each player to discuss the death of George Floyd's uh, ensuing protest. And again, you know, if you guys uh, think back to our Tuesday show, well, guess what? This conversation was had between myself and Reginald Walker where he uh, ended up actually saying it on a Twitter page, and I'm going to quote him. He said, remember the conversation we had on Tuesday, the coach-slash-player relationship of honesty is important. I don't know the details, but not being on the same page with the locker room is not a good look for a head coach, end quote. And, again, that was Reginald Walker, who, of course, uh, contributes to the show on Tuesday, all the way from Charlotte. But uh, we'll maybe get into that a little bit. Of course, uh, that's some college information now in the NFL sources, uh, coming out that they will not uh, report until training camp. So there will uh, be a little gap there. Then there's of some NBA information. We may wait and get in here with our basketball coach about that and kind of get some thoughts and opinions uh, on that as well. Just, you know, you want to unwrap everything because here's the thing. Why we understand there's a lot happening on and off the air. There's a lot happening on and off uh, your day-to-day activities. You know, they're still trying to get – the sports world kind of back up and running. And anytime you've sat a car long enough, it, it takes a while, right? It takes a while. You got to get that engine perked back up a little bit. You got to let it run for a little while before you just jump it out in the street and uh, take a chance to mess it up some. So, uh, you know, we're excited to get back into this new thing that we like to call the normal part of life. But at the end of the day, it is going to, without a doubt, it's going to take all of us together to kind of work this thing in. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll take some phone calls. Guys, if you got something on your mind, you want to talk about some of the things that have come out and about, some conversations that have been had. I know, you know there's been different topics, but we'll give you the next segment to you, unless you guys want to just sit back and enjoy your ride home, or maybe you're already at home, and you can do that with us for the next three hours. Guys, you're listening to Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yelvin, and we'll be right back. Number to call in, 323-784-9681. Again, the number to reach out to us is 323 323- Seven eight four nine six eight one. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Hill here live on Southern Sports Central here on a beautiful Thursday evening. A little cloudy outside here in Somerville, South Carolina. Had some rainfall throughout the day. Just kind of sprinkling through. Supposed to get a little nastier tomorrow. Of course, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the weekend. Of course, I know I am uh, looking forward to a solid weekend. Of course, this segment brought to you by our friends over at the Tin Farm, located at 7634 South Railroad over here in North Charleston, South Carolina. You can give Jonathan and the guys a shout at 843 843- Two nine seven four one three one. You can find them over there on the web at tentfarm.com. Again, uh, you can give us a shout here for the next 15 minutes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you got something that's on your mind. And I'm getting ready to probably bring something up that seems to be on everybody's mind here uh, throughout today, be it on any sports network. I'm sure every sports radio show's talked a little bit about this. But if you want to get in here and chime in, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Three two three. Seven eight four nine six eight one. Again, the number to call in live right now, 323-784-9681. That's the number to shout and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Now, as you guys probably heard a little story about the man named Drew Brees, he made headlines today, and he made it in big fashion. He's got a lot of people over here. He's got a lot of people over there. Not everybody likes his comments. Not everybody enjoyed what he had to say. But, of course, Drew Brees was on the headlines as uh, Bria initially uh, comments came about when he was interviewed by Yahoo Finance and was asked if protest method of kneeling during the national anthem prior to the NFL game would come back and how Breeze would handle the situation. Now, we're going to quote Mr. Breeze right here. I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America, of our country. Bruce, uh, Breeze said it. Quote, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played when I look at the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II. One fought for the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart looking at the flag, singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. In many cases, it brings tears, thinking about all the that's been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but those, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movement of the 60s. He also goes on and says, quote, everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up to this point, is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go, but I think what you do by standing there and respecting the flag with your hand over your heart is that what shows unity. It shows that we are all in together. We can do better. We all a part of the solution. Now, again, that was Drew Brees' comments in an interview with, uh, with, a, with, with a certain group over there with uh, Yahoo Financing. And, of course, there's been a lot of guys who play in the league, who have played in the league, who have made comments about what he said. And, again, this is not uh, – I'm not sure if he thought he was going to get the response that he needed to get or he was going to get. Maybe he wasn't caring. Maybe he didn't, didn't think about it. Um, anything about the latest comments there by Drew Brees, of course, uh, and, and it's not going well in an interview that he did yesterday. Uh, you know, 
he says disrespecting the flag when, when asked about that platform, if you will. You know, many, many players uh, criticized Drew Brees, including superstar wide receiver and teammate Michael Thomas, who felt Brees' comments missed the point. Now, another superstar quarterback weighing in is one of my favorites, Green Bay Packers' very own Aaron Rodgers. You know, the future Hall of Fame uh, took to Instagram responding to Drew Brees' earlier comments. And uh, this was Drew Brees, uh, you know, a, a guy that I'm sure he's friends with. I'm sure he's had conversations multiple times with. Aaron Rodgers goes on to say, a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. Rodgers wrote, quote, it has never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Listen with an open heart. Let's educate ourselves and then turn a word and a thought into action. Hashtag wake up America. Hashtag it's time for a change. Hashtag love over fear. Hashtag solidarity. Hashtag liberty and justice. Hashtag for all. Now, Breeze initially comments came out when, uh, you know, he was talking and having these conversations. You know, I, I think the thing is, and, and again, you talk about Colin Kaepernick, and it took me a while to kind of process that one as it did everything that happened this weekend. And I'm not one that likes to respond right away. I like to process. I like to pray. And then I like to respond. And that's why I didn't do the show Sunday, unlike what we did this past Sunday, which it was a five-star show with a ton of five-star guests. I mean, from the beginning to the end, one of my favorite shows. When you allow someone to have what we like to call here in America the freedom, the right, right, and you don't like what they do, then it's a problem. And then they do it the other way, it's a problem. So even though it's a choice, is it really a choice? You know, and, and again, this is because it's located into the world of sports. You know, I wanted to kind of touch on this a little bit. You know, usually I have Eugene here, and we can go back and forth, but tonight, it's just me. You, you can't have your cake and eat it too, America. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. You can't say you've got to do it this way, but they do it that way, and it's not the way you want them to do it, and then they do it this way. You can't – you just can't. You can't dictate everybody's every move. That's the one thing about America that's supposed to be so amazing. That's the one thing about our country that we're supposed to really enjoy is having the freedom of speech, having the freedom to do things. It's not a dictatorship. You know, I understand that certain people's feelings get hurt when certain people do certain things. That's okay. That's okay. Focus on you. Don't worry about them. If it's wrong, then they'll be held accountable for what's wrong. But for whatever's right, it's right. You don't get the, you don't have the power to sit there to tell somebody that kneeling is, is, not, is, is against the law. I understand that a lot of people fought for lives. I understand that it, it, it hurts certain people's feelings when it happens. And at the end of the day, if you don't like people kneeling during the national anthem, then you be the one that doesn't kneel. Let those other people that, that anybody wants to, that's, that's the way it works. That's just the way it works. And there were so many individuals that kneel. Didn't matter the race, didn't matter the, the, didn't matter the team, it mattered the individual. There were white guys and there were African Americans and, and there were Samoans. There were so many different cultures that had kneeled in the last so many years, ever since Callie Kaepernick started kneeling, that have joined 
this entire movement. Don't isolate it to one individual because multiple individuals with multiple backgrounds and multiple cultures have all done this. But they, they did it quietly. But it wasn't good enough. It wasn't, it wasn't accepted. You know, a conversation had on Tuesday on the show where you can't poke somebody but so many times and they're going to make a noise. It's just reality. You, you have to be understood. Even today, I had this conversation. It's okay not to know the answers. And it's okay not to say anything. But you have to listen. You have to ask and honestly want to hear. Okay, we have to find some solutions here. All right, so, so what do we got to do here? The world of sports has always brought us together. And right now, we need sports more than ever. Because this is usually one of the forefronts that we go directly to when there's a disaster in this country, when there's disappointment in this country, when there's something going on that's not a happy place. We all pile into a stadium, and we just become one. Saw this from a University of North Carolina football player. It doesn't matter who. He said, I feel like they only care about me when I score a touchdown. You wonder how many other athletes feel that way on Friday night. You wonder how many other athletes feel that way on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon as well, or Monday night football. You wonder how many athletes really sit back and think to themselves, really, this is the only time they care is during this season. Well, their season never ends when it comes to loving my brother. It's a 24-7 job, and it's a 365 responsibility. I will utilize our platform here at Southern Sports Central to continue to have these segments. And I may, going forward, have a segment dedicated to bringing knowledge to the forefront, to educating those who may not know how to talk to their young folks in their house about racism and how to talk to their children about loving the man, the woman, the child next door, no matter where they come from. Because that's what it says in the Bible. And you can't just be religious when it's convenient. You just can't love them when you want to. It's just not the way it's going to happen. You know, so many times we see athletes come and go and we watch them, and, and there is a lot of hate going right now. Social media is, is right now not one of my favorite places to be at. And because of Southern Sports Central, I do have to spend time on there. But I don't spend as much time as I used to spend on there because there's just so much coming through the airwaves. You know, you cannot – you cannot. And, and I encourage you tonight after the show, watch Remember the Titans one more time. Remember the episode. Remember the part where the young man is laying in the hospital bed and his teammate walks in and the lady looked at him, the nurse with his straight face, and she said, only family can come in here. And he quickly, the young man in the bed said, can't you see that's my brother? You see, that's what athletes are all about. And sure, we've seen some things on social media. And athletes, listen to me clearly because we say this on every show. Think before you tweet. It takes a lot less time for somebody to snap a picture of what you put on social media than it does for you to actually write it up and hit send. Before you can delete it, they've already retweeted it. They've already copied it. They've already shared it. Trust and believe me. You need to think before you move. We're going to head to a break, guys. But again, this is just something that's on my heart. And again, I am pretty hard about this. I, I feel 
you know, moved by, by the show we had on Tuesday. And I want to understand a lot of things, and the only way I can understand is around myself with guys and girls that can educate me. They can put me in a better place so that I can understand where I'm going and what's going on. Because you cannot understand if it's it's like this. You know, as a man, I'm talking to the fellas here, where you, you, you remember looking at your dad one day going, man, you don't have an idea what it's like to be me. And he kind of does, but he never will completely understand you. So if your own father doesn't understand you, if you don't understand your kids, how can you understand a guy that lives next door or down the street? I mean, there's so many angles I can go with this. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some sports here today, but I wanted to bring that up about Drew Brees, and he's going to catch a lot of heat over that. There's no doubt in my mind he's already caught a lot of heat. You know, Jim Brown, former um, football player, said he would never kneel. I said he'd never kneel. There's a lot of athletes. That's their right. That's the part of living in America. I thought that that's why we were here. That's why we do what we do. It's not a law. It's a choice. If it hurts your feelings, trust me, there's a lot more things that you need to worry about hurting your feelings than than, than that. And I understand that. I'm not disappointed. Look, I don't have a heaven and hell to put you in. I don't have a place to to regulate you. I I don't have any of that, and I want that. You know, the, the, the thing that we talk about, in this country, all the time is freedom. Well, let's, let's practice what we preach. You know, Colin Kaepernick quietly kneeled on Sunday, and it became a problem. Now there's a lot of people outraged on what happened and what's continuing to happen. I continue to see new film and new things. And, and again, I, I all but have to turn off social media because it's a very disheartening situation for me. I can't imagine someone that walks on, talks, and breathes on this earth having so much hate in their heart that they feel that it's okay to react the way they react. You know, why don't you do the one thing that Coach Boone had his players do? Why don't you find somebody that you don't know anything about, that you work with? And why don't you go sit beside them at lunch? You can get six foot, whatever, I don't care. And why don't you find out what their favorite color is, what their favorite ice cream is, where they like to go, how many kids they have. Why don't you get to know the people around you? Quit sitting with the same people every day. Quit talking to the same people all the time. Get to know your coworkers. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know the people that live in your city and your town. Stop talking to the same people all the time. If you don't change the environment, you'll never You'll never see a lot as much growth as, as the possibilities out here. That being said, you know, I am going to take a break. Uh, here shortly, Jay Williams will join us uh, sometime here around 630. He's supposed to log in here and hang out with us for a little while. But uh, just a lot of things here to process, and we're going to continue to process it all here together, guys. And, uh, again, you know, I'm pro-life. That's what I'm pro over here. Okay, that's what I'm about, life, love. All right, love God. Love people, love thy neighbor, right? Let's, let's practice what we preach. And it's a bad shame. It's a bad shame that my children, that all of our children are showing us. And I'm not talking about this young 20s to 30s because I'm not really impressed with some of that right now. But I'm talking about the 10s and, and down to 1s and 2s. Go to your daycares. Go to your elementary schools. Look at those playgrounds. Go to your local McDonald's. Go to the local playgrounds in your neighborhood. Watch the interaction, because when he shows up or she shows up to a to a to a to a gym, to a to some type of a 
exercise equipment. And another gentleman or another young person comes in, they could care less who they are, where they came from. All they know is they just picked up they just picked up a new friend and they about to go down. It's about to happen right here in this playground. Should we think like that? Should we be like that? Hmm. Food for thought, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here. Block talk radio, guys. Don't go anywhere. everybody. I'm Rich Allen waiting on Jay Williams. He is the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association joining us here at 630. He's uh, hopefully going to join us here in a minute now. Uh, I would imagine uh, they're, they're practicing. They're getting things together. There's a lot of meetings that are going on right now. Uh, there's a lot going on, and, and there's no doubt about it here as uh, you know, we're trying to get everything opened back up from COVID-19. And, and, and let's remember this. 
let's remember this, or we're going to have a huge problem come August and September. And that's is my fear, uh, because I do understand there is a lot of things going on on the weekend this past weekend where there's a lot of large groups gathering, and, and they're doing some great things together. But remember, together is great, but separation while you're doing it is not a bad idea neither, because this thing is big. I mean, it's a little bit bigger than uh, than you imagine. I know a lot of college kids are showing back up on campus. South Carolina, um, South Carolina is actually uh, reporting back to camp. Tennessee had some kids coming back this week. Alabama, Alabama actually has reports, I think, of a handful of athletes that have tested positive for COVID. What does that mean? Well, it means what it means. It means that they have COVID. They have they have they have got the coronavirus, but. Future-wise, what does it mean? I mean, there's so many things that, that they're still trying to uncover uh, here uh, with everything going on because when everything, and I mean everything, is trying to put together, they're going to have to, you know, and, and I believe the reason that they are bringing these young athletes in here so they can manage them, they can monitor them, they can keep eyes on them, and that this thing is, is somewhat controlled, right? I, I think that's some of it. But uh, they're trying to do whatever they can do to salvage the season. Uh, that's not even here yet. I mean, we're talking months away of being proactive instead of being reactive. Because, again, all that's happened, and we saw it three weeks ago in a lot of places around the country when uh, places started opening back up. You saw, I believe it was down in Florida, they had a pool party or Texas or somewhere. Uh, they were just rolling, and it was just a, a – it, it looked like a really good time. They could have a really big impact on a lot of people's future. Again, you might not be an athlete. You might not be going to college or you might not be playing sports in high school. But that doesn't mean your neighbor's not. That doesn't mean that your relative's not. That doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to. And by you going out and being selfless and reckless, there is going to be a reaction to that, just like anything else in life. So my biggest fear out of this thing and that we are opening things up and things are getting into motion is that what? Is that we're sitting here in about three months, talking about, well, we were going to open up college football. We were going to open up high school sports. But because of the outbreak and the, the, the spike, if you will, it's not going to happen now. That's going to have a huge, and I mean a large effect on so many. And you have no idea how. I have these conversations throughout the days with a lot of people that run across my path, and they you know, they, they realize, of course, that I'm in sports and I do what I do with the sports world, not only here in Charleston, but around the country. And, and they all ask me the same thing. Do you think we're going to have a season? I say, well, it's like this. It's like preparing for a championship. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. If we don't prepare for a healthy season, well, we will have no season at all. But if we prepare and we stretch ourselves out, we do things the right way, and we continue to respect the situation that's at hand, yeah, I think we'll be fine. Now, I know there's a lot of people in there trying to speak the positive into existence, but a lot of positive is great, but reality is what it is, just that reality. You know, I, I look back and I want to say this, congratulations to so many high schools who are currently going through graduations. I know my alumni had a graduation yesterday up there at Takaski. Congratulations to them. I believe Georgetown High School is one of those that graduated uh, Oceanside, who a lot of those kids are coming on the show on a regular basis. They just graduated. And I don't want to start naming too many because I'll forget somebody. But I do know that we are super-duper proud of all the uh, class of 2020, whether you played a sport or not, it doesn't matter to us, is that you completed the first task as an adult 
and you are going to do great things, whether it be going into college, going into the job fair, maybe you're heading into the military, whatever your path is going to be, you know, you get a chance to start over again with a little bit of energy because you have that. Okay, so remember, you know, you always say, if I had another chance to do this or do that, well, this is kind of what it's like. This is like getting a promotion at your job, and you're going into the next chapter. For athletes, I'm going to tell you something. It is a job going to college. And the guys that we're going to have on here tonight, some of these guys will, will definitely tell you about it. I can tell you that Nick Penn, who played for the University of South Carolina, came all the way from Miami, Florida, from Miami High School. He played under Brad Scott. Of course, uh, he was there when uh, a couple of other big names, you remember Anthony Wright was around. He was a backup to Anthony Wright. And um, you know, he got some playing time there. He played against Tennessee. Of course, Peyton Manning was there during that time. But with that being said, you know, he'll tell you it's a job. You, know, you think it's hard in high school? You have no idea. And for you guys that are complaining about the schoolwork and all the things that come out, well, guess what? This is this is what college is all about, but a little bit more, a little bit heavier. That's that's kind of the reality of it all. But you got to prepare yourself. So I'm hoping and praying that that, that by these college kids getting to these campuses, that they're going to have to quarantine the ones they have to quarantine. They're going to have to get everybody in check, and that we can move forward. Because let's be honest. You know, it, it was kind of a miserable, dismal kind of last two or three months with no sports. I got tired of watching 30 for 30s. I mean, that'd be great if I go to a local pub and I'd, I'd try to play sports trivia. I mean, hell, everybody ought to come out and win a sports trivia cash now because they have seen so many 30 for 30s. And I greatly appreciate it. I got a chance to watch the Michael Jordan story. Man, that was incredible. I'm a huge Scottie Pippen fan after watching that. A huge fan. You know, this guy comes out with a broken back, but – he knew he wasn't getting the ball. He was there as a decoy. He was there as a guy to kind of, uh, you know, throw a little shade so that so that everybody else could do it because they knew if he was on the court and he was open, they'd probably throw him the ball. And he probably was going to do something with it. You know, that's that to me showed a selfless act in, in a huge moment that ended up winning them another national championship. You know, you, you think about those moments. You know, I had a conversation with a young individual yesterday. We were talking about the three greatest basketball players. You know, and, and, and to me, you know, there's a lot of great basketball players, but there's always that conversation in basketball about who is the great one, who is the GOAT, if you will. I think they're all good. I, I think they are the greatest players of their time, though. I don't think they're of all times. I think they are of their times because I do think it's different. I do think that – I personally think Michael Jordan is, is, the, is the GOAT. But I think Kobe Bryant is, is the closest one to him. I really do. I think Kobe Bryant in certain ways is better than, than Michael Jordan. I know, again, I'm not trying to get you Tar Heels or, or, or Bulls fans or Jordan fans upset, but I really do. I think Kobe was, was, was there. I think he had it. I think no doubt about it. You know, I, I don't know if he had, you know, all the, the weapons that, that, that Michael had. And it was a different game back then. It, it, to me, it's kind of a little different. But I think each one of them can honestly – be a part of that fraternity of, you know, of being the greatest of all times. I think they are three. They're just all three in different places. You know, I, I look at a guy, the, the, the LeBron James, and, and you see him out on social media right now, and he's, he's, he's voicing his opinion. He is using his platform to say it will stop when it stops. And we're getting back to a little bit of what we talked about at the beginning, what we talked about on Tuesday. It's, this is going to be the conversation at times, but it will stop when it stops. That's a pretty fair. That's a pretty fair deal. I, I think so. I think that I, I think the situation does. I, I think when we get control of it, and we handle the ones that need to be handled, and we hold those accountable that need to be held accountable, 
then so be it. That's just the way it is. But I'm going to tell you what, LeBron James is one of the most active dudes in any community he lives in, grows up in, and times in, period. This dude gives more back to the society than any, and I don't want to miss anybody, but I think he gives back to more than anybody I've seen. My dude is building schools. He's handing out books. He's giving out opportunities. He's paying for this. He's doing that, and he's just doing it with his heart. He's at basketball games with his kids. He's coaching them from the sidelines. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. And if I'm not mistaken, he's with the same young lady that he's been with for quite some time. So you just got to – how do you not respect a man like that? How do you not respect – how do you not respect an opportunity to watch somebody like him do so many great things? Definitely excited to watch the NBA try to make their way back. You know, I know there's a lot of things going on. They're, they're releasing some more dates for NASCAR. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited about that. I think that you look at NASCAR trying to find their way back. That's a big thing. NBA trying to do what they need to do to, to you know, get things back to normal. Get things back to the, the ways that they were going to be. And uh, the NBA did approve a 22-team format to finish the season. This was released about four hours ago. We're bashing around a little bit because that's really kind of right now what's happening uh, throughout the the sports world. There's so many different new headlines that are coming across that you kind of see. As this was today, the NBA Board of uh, Governors voted on Thursday to approve a 22-team format to restart the 2019-20 season in Orlando, Florida, the league announced. Now, sources told the ESPN group over there uh, that that vote was a 29 to 1 with the Portland Trailblazers voting against the proposal. Anybody shocked? Now, the National Basketball Players Association has been working closely with the league officials on the plan. Now, the NBA uh, and the NBPA's team player representatives have conferences called set for Friday to approve the proposal, and uh, we'll know more about that tomorrow. Now, here's a quote, of course, um, coming out by the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, uh, said the board's approval of the restart format is a necessary step towards resuming the NBA season. While the COVID-19 pandemic presents formidable challenges, we are hopeful of finishing the season in a safe yet responsible manner based on a strict protocols now being finalized with public health officials and medical experts. We also recognize that prepare to resume play, our society is reeling from recent tragedies of racial violence and injustice, and we will continue to work closely with our teams and their players to use our collective resources and influence to address these issues in very real and concrete ways. So, end quote. Now, the, uh, the plan, uh, 13 Western Conference teams and nine Eastern Conference teams will play eight regular seasons, of course, the seeding games, as a possibly play-in tournament for the eighth seed and playoffs at the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, the 16 team and the Eastern Western Conference will be joined by teams currently within a six-game of, uh, of 
eighth place in two conferences, New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington. The play-in tournament will include the number eight and number nine team in a conference if the ninth seed finishes the regular season within the games of the eighth. Now, in case, of course, uh, the ninth seed uh, would need to beat the number eight seed twice to earn a playoff berth, uh, it would, of course, uh, need one from two potential games. So the NBA is doing everything that they can do to try to get the right things to do so they can finish this season. And I don't blame Listen, yeah, you have to understand athletes. These guys prepare, these ladies prepare for the season that is coming, the season that is here. And, and right here on this show, you heard us with, we had our senior spotlight segments, and I want to thank all those coaches and players that, that helped us get those cats on there. And we're going to continue to try to get more on here on Sundays. But you heard the disappointment in their heart, and, and you heard that. But even, even the pro athletes, you know, you've heard LeBron James mention that. We've got to finish what we started. And we tell our kids that all the time, finish what you start. Because playing basketball, playing football, playing baseball, playing these sports that they're bringing back, it does a lot of good for those on the fields and courts, but it does a lot for those outside of the fields and courts. It gives you a chance to disconnect from the dramas of every day of staying up, watching the Facebook Lives, and doing all the things that you've done for the last four or five days. It gives you a chance to just kind of get away and just for about two hours check out, and that's okay. That's why we do what we do here at Southern Sports Central because we want to give you a chance to kind of open it up and do what needs to be done. So when you kind of look at it, the NBA said, of course, the season resuming is contingent on uh, an agreement with the Walt Disney Company, which owns ESPN, to use the Walt Disney Resort. Of course, that's the worldwide uh, sports over there in uh, Orlando uh, for all the games, practicing, and housing. Our teams will begin training in Orlando starting on July 9th through the 11th. The league offered dates beyond the July 31st through October 12th season window with the draft lottery set as of right now on August the 25th. Now, the NBA draft on October 15th and the 2021, hard to believe it's almost here too, right, uh, season likely to begin December 1st. So they're going to look to finish what they start but push back before they start the new season that's going to be. See how this all works out, see how the – the, uh, the powers that be in the NBA trying to join the conversation of uh, NASCAR to be back in to the light. Of course, baseball is trying to do some things as well. Of course, uh, sources tell ESPN preliminary expectations on the league plan for that 22-team format in Orlando include the regular season will extend 16 days with five to six games per day. There will be four hours between the games on each individual court to accommodate overtime, cleaning, and warm-ups. Now, the league will be using three courts in the complex for games. In eight-game regular season format, each team is expected to play one back-to-back, and they're trying to make everybody be on the same format when it comes to being fair. Another one is the NBA is expected to be aggressive in moving up the dates to start playoff series when the previous round series comes to an end. And finally, the NBA's final format is expected to include games every other day. And then despite, of course, uh, it being uh, the long um, situation of what's happening, and the Trailblazers remain eager to resume the season, but voted no based on a belief that the organization and the players' input there were more uh, competitive and 
um, innovative formats on the table, now including those that address the 2020 draft odds based on the regular season results in Orlando uh, as, as you kind of put things together. So you see the NBA, they're doing what they can do. They're trying to put it in order so that there is a, a life as we know it with the NBA, planning to have everything in order, trying to put everything in place. And, again, I like it. I'm about that. And that's the kind of life I, I'm ready to get back into. But let's do it smart. And how many times did you hear me say, you know, what the NBA is looking to do? They're looking to do whatever they got to do, but they're going to do it the right way. They're giving time for the cleaning crew to get in. They're giving time for the rest to be put in place. Because if your immune system's down, right, your, your, your chances of catching whatever's out here, be it COVID-19, the flu, the everyday cold is a lot greater. Athletes, listen to me right now. When an individual offers you an opportunity to work out, high school kids, lower, uh, lower level, anybody, work out. Go work out. Put in the work today so that you can enjoy the celebrations tomorrow. You're either going to sweat today or you're going to cry tomorrow. Okay, so sweat it out today. Get ready. For the state of South Carolina, a lot of you kids are going to be getting ready to start up like the NBA here very soon. Do not go to that first day and be winded. Do not go to that first day and look like you've been sitting there battling out with your Xbox or your PlayStation because the coach doesn't want to see it. He doesn't care about your excuses. He only cares about your results. He will care about your health. I'm not saying that. But I am telling you that this is a character building 101. This is where this is where the men and the boys are separated. The ladies and the girls are separated. Okay, because you should have been putting in work for the last two months. I personally, on Saturdays, work with a group of guys that want to get better together. It's a lot better together. I don't. I, I, I understand that individually we work out. But when you have a team that's working, why wouldn't you go work out with your team? It's a team sport. It takes all 11 of you to play defense and all 11 of you to play offense. So why are you working out by yourself? You know, I, it, it just is weird to me. If you have a, 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 an injury, why not just show up and be a cheerleader? Why not just show up and, and, and mentally and physically at least be there for support? To me, it's, it's just, that's just one of the things that you should just do. It's a character test, one-on-one. And that's where we're all tested right here. You know, we're, we're trying to stay on point with a lot of things that are going on, but you should be working out. I can promise you when these guys show up at the NBA facility that's going to be moved, of course, to Orlando, Florida, I bet you they're in great shape. I bet you they're ready to go. I bet you when the major leagues get back up and running and it looks like they're going to be cutting some minor leagues out. We heard on this show a couple of weeks ago I, uh, uh, an agent in the area, Mr. Torrey, came in and kind of let the cat out of the bag that there's not going to be any minor league baseball this year. That's disappointing to me, but I understand it's, it's – We'll appreciate it when it comes back, though. I appreciate it. I tell you that. You don't know what you got till it's gone. We hear that a lot. You know, it's like the old play every game like it's your last game. Well, that also is you don't know what you got till it's gone. They, they run together. So you want to make sure that you're prepared. Young athletes, make sure you're preparing yourself mentally, physically, that you're getting yourself ready. It is going to be hot when you get out there. Make sure you are hydrating yourself right now, drinking water. Get out of the soda box. Get out of the snack machines. Get back into being healthy. Get back into a, 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 a scheduled routine diet. Doesn't mean you have to sit there and, and, and drink a bunch of, you know, uh, health, whatever, you know, and eat a bunch of granola bars. But you have to do everything in moderation because you don't want to show up. Trust me. 
you do not want to show up to your first practice. And here in South Carolina, skis has already started. There's a lot of local school, schools here in, in the area, about three or four that I know that have already started their practice. And we're going to actually have a kid at 8 o'clock coming in here from Alabama that uh, he's already started practicing on Monday. He goes to a public school. So he's going to be checking in, talking to us about, you know, what it was like. And I'm going to ask him the question, how many guys were, 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 were peeled over because they were just throwing up or they were just out of shape and they just basically told on themselves and all the questions that, that are out there. So we're going to take a break. We come back. Hour one is done. Hour two is right around the corner. We're going to be checking in with uh, Mr. Vic Penn. He, of course, is uh, a former University of South Carolina quarterback in the mid-'90s, also went on to play also at Central Florida, where he was a quarterback there as well, played some in the Canadian League, played in the Arena League, and uh, currently is the owner in QB1. He is the one quarterback with virtual quarterback training. So that's something different, something new. And, you know, I I think you look at it and and you have to put yourself in perspective and understand that when it's all put together – he kind of benefited out of this because of the factor of the fact that you look at we're in a Zoom world. But he and I talked earlier today, and when I was talking to Vic, we, we went through some things, and I thought to myself, wow, I think he's ahead of the curve here. So that's a big thing. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to check in, and we're going to head all the way to Gulf Breeze, Florida to do it with the one and only Vic Penn with Virtual QB training and a lot more, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going away. Oh, the boardwalk's deserted. There's nobody down by the shore. And the ferries will ride isn't turning around anymore. The heat waves and the clouds are just old news, but I still got some sand in my shoes. Sand in my shoes. Bring the memories of the salty When the water was cold, you would tremble and hold me so tight. And we'd sit on the beach just to wait for the stars to come out at night. The heat waves and the clouds are just old But I still got some sand in my shoes. Oh, 
comes back to me with the sand in my Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Alvin here live coming to you from Somerville, South Carolina at the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studio. You can find the factory located over there in Hanahan, South Carolina at 5913 Loftus Road. You can give the guys and girls a shout at 843-573-7391. This segment brought to you by our friends over there at the factory. They are wide open, and I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot of video over there on social media, and it is a blast to see how many young people, old people, and everybody in between getting that work in. Now, talking about getting the work in, for the first time of many, we're going to bring in the one and only, a former Gamecock. He's also a former uh, gentleman who played at UCF as well, Vic Penn. And, uh, Vic, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, I really appreciate you considering me and, and having me on the show. Man, I tell you, it's exciting. Man, you're a Gamecock, which – whether you grew up in the lights in the South Beach of Miami Beach, Florida, down there in uh, the Sunshine State, you spent some time and uh, you, you paid some bills here in South Carolina. That kind of makes you an honorary Gamecock. Well, you're, you're a Gamecock, but you're an honorary uh, Palmetto uh, individual as well. So we're glad to get you in here with us tonight. Of course, you also are the founder, the quarterback one, all of that with virtual QB training. We're going to get into that here later in the, uh, in the interview. But first of all, it's an honor to get you in here because tonight you are going to help me get these young men to understand, and some young women as well, uh, of the hard battles that you had to face. Because you grew up at one of the bigger schools in Miami, right there at Miami High School. We talked about this earlier. Uh, I know everybody knows right. Booker T now. It's like that generation. Booker T now or years back, it's been kind of the most uh, popular school. But in our generation, Miami High, was it was a big deal growing up there. Big, tell us a little bit about your days of growing up on South Beach, going from Little League to the high schools, and, and how the Gamecocks came calling for you. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was born and raised in Miami, and I played baseball all my life. And uh, my dad wouldn't let me play football because uh, he thought I would get hurt. And he was probably right. Uh, so I played baseball, and, but, I, but I, loved, I always loved the game of football. Uh, ever since I was, I mean, I can remember four or five years old, when I went to sleep, I had Winnie the Pooh under one arm and my football under the underarm, uh, other, uh, under the other arm. But, um, you know, I went everywhere with my football, and I always played in the street. And, 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 you know, if I didn't have anybody to play with, I would just throw the ball up to myself and catch it. So I always had a love for football, and I loved Dan Marino. And, uh, you know, being in Miami, I was a Dolphin fan. And I started to watch Marino and how he threw the football – and it was – he was always known for having a quick release. And I never really thought of how does he have a quick release. I just thought he moved his arm really quickly or he just, you know, threw it faster than other people. But it wasn't until I was about 
in ninth or 10th grade that I happened to be at one of my brother's karate instructors or karate lessons. And the karate instructor uh, was telling me about the karate punch and how you step to the left and you throw the punch from the shoulder. And I started thinking, and that's exactly what Marino was doing, is he was not stepping towards the receiver and coming over the top like your regular quarterback. He was stepping to the left, and he was throwing it quickly from his shoulder. So it was he was throwing that karate punch motion, and that's really how the quick release is best illustrated because, you know, if you, if you, if you watch film with him, and, and, I, and I copied him, I, I emulated him, and I tried to do everything – you know, in my quarterbacking to follow Dan Marino, because such a huge fan growing up, that it's it's the step to the left and it's the throw. And it's not it's not stepping towards the receiver and coming over the top like your traditional quarterback. So um, I I didn't play football until my ninth grade year, and I was at Southwest High School, and all of my good friends and my childhood friends were going to that school, and very nice guys, uh, but. When I came up against Miami High that year, uh, I think they sacked me seven or eight times, and it, it, it wasn't even close. I, I took, the, took such a beating in that game that after the words, I, I told my dad, I said, Dad, we have to figure out a way for me to get to Miami High because that's who I want to play for. And they had a quarterback at the time, Wilkie Perez, uh, who they, they got a lot of publicity. Uh, you know, they call the University of Miami the U, and they call Miami High down there the High. So it's in high school, it was, the, it was the equivalent to being at the University of Miami, and I just had to get there somehow. But uh, I lived about 45 minutes from the school, and back then you had all the district rules, and, you know, you had to have an address in the, in the you know, in the district in order to play for that school. So... I thought about it, and I finally convinced my dad to uh, get an apartment, rent an apartment in that school district. And thank God I had a, a great dad, and he did. And I was able to use that address legally, ethically, and morally, in spite of Southwest wasn't too happy about it. But uh, I knew I wanted to play football, and I knew I wanted to further my career, and I knew the best opportunity for me to do that was to get to Miami High. And so I did. I got there in the spring of my sophomore year, and I played in the spring practice in the spring game there, and then I started my junior year, and I started my senior year at Miami High. And our senior year was really something special. We finished 10-0 and 0 in, the, uh, in, date, in, in uh, our regular season. We were ranked number one in the state of Florida, and we were ranked number nine by USA Today. Uh, in the in the nation, and we were we were beating people, you know, fifty five to nothing, forty two to five. You know, we were just blowing them out every game. And funny, the one game that we struggled was against Southwest, and when I had to play my 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 best friends, uh, and we we beat them fourteen to seven. And granted, we did have five or six touchdowns called back coincidentally, uh, but. Uh, they, we only won 14 to seven that game, but everybody else would beat. And then the first round of the playoffs, we went up against Killian, who had the number one ranked defense in the state of Florida, and we lost in the first round. And we drove down to their one yard line, 
with under a minute to play, and we had a phenomenal running back who ended up going to Michigan State, Cedric Irvin, who is uh, Michael Irvin's cousin, uh, Hall of Famer, you know, wide receiver Michael Irvin. His his cousin was Cedric Irvin. He was our running back, and he transferred over from Southridge. So we all got to play together, and they stopped they stopped us four plays in a row from the one yard line. And we ended up losing that game by about, I think it was five points, but all we had to do was score the touchdown, kick the extra point. We would have won. And we drove 80 yards down to the one, but they stopped us four in a row. It was one of the most amazing goal line stands I've ever seen. Uh, And it was one, it was one of about three games that I can remember in my career where I still haven't really gotten over it because it was, it was that painful to lose because we hadn't lost yet and we were favored to win the state championship and it was class 6a and we just had such amazing talent on that on that team I, I ended up signing with South Carolina said went to uh, Michigan State we had Ian Skinner who was our running back ends up signing with Florida Carlos Aceguera signed with the West Virginia and then the following year, our junior class that was also they were also starters at the time, you know, of my senior year. We had several Florida State uh, scholarships, a couple of other Florida scholarships. Marquand Manuel was on that team, and we called him Eminem. But Marquand Manuel was a safety for us, and he went on to play for the Gators, and then he went on to play for the uh, Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks, and he actually won the Super Bowl. He was, he's a Super Bowl champion. So we had a lot of talent on that team, and I ended up going to South Carolina, and I redshirted my first year, learned a lot. I uh, was fortunate enough to have some great coaches, and the starting quarterback at the time was Anthony Wright. And Anthony had a very prominent, uh, very successful college career, and, and then he ended up playing 11 years in the NFL. Uh, after that so he was a very good quarterback and I was after I redshirted I became the the backup quarterback at South Carolina and I was you know calling plays or not calling plays but signaling in plays and you know I got some mop-up duty here and there if we were blowing somebody out or if we were getting blown out and then against Tennessee it was I think the seventh or eighth week of the season we were in Neyland Stadium, and it was Peyton Manning's final home game. There was, I believe, a record crowd of 106,000 or 110,000 at the time because it was Peyton's final home game. It was raining. It was on TV, and there was no way I was getting in in the first half because this just wasn't going to happen. So I didn't even have my ankles taped. And, I, uh, you know, I'm just wet behind the ears. And Anthony, unfortunately – you know, tears up his knee pretty badly early on in the first quarter of that game. So, you know, they put me into the game, and they were a little hesitant to let me throw, in my opinion. Uh, John Reeves was my offensive coordinator. Brad Scott was our head coach. And I thought I got beat up when I was playing Miami High at Southwest. Tennessee, they, 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 put it, they took it to me. And they had Al Wilson and Leonard Little and some really good defensive players who ended up having very nice NFL careers also. But it was a great experience, and I, was, I ended up throwing my first touchdown pass um, to Jermail Kelly and started the following week against the defending national champion, Florida Gators. But this was 97, and, you know, Werfel and, and the Gators won it in 96. 
So I got to go uh, start my first college game against the defending national champion Gators, and we played them pretty tough, and we executed very well on offense, and I think it went 14-14 to into the fourth quarter. And Fred Taylor must have had about 1,000 yards and about 37 touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I threw another touchdown. I threw two touchdowns in that game, and we lost, I think, 41-21 to or something of that nature. But it was 14-14, to believe it or not, going into the fourth. And we played them really tough. Uh, and then the following week, we played Clemson, and we same, same scenario. We played them, you know, very, very tough, and we were leading most of that game, and then they came at, at the end and beat us. But I was able to uh, get a lot of playing time and uh, was honored uh, the 1997 All-SEC Freshman Quarterback of the Year, uh, which, you know, may, may not be that because it's a freshman, but I think there was uh, a few other freshmen that were playing. Jesse Palmer for the Gators was playing that year. Uh, and a few other, I forget whom, but there were a few other freshman quarterbacks in the SEC that were playing. So it was it was an honor, and I was happy to receive it. But at the conclusion of that season, South Carolina let uh, Coach Reeves and Coach Eason, the two coaches that really brought me in, and they like to throw the ball. And I like to throw the ball. So – when they brought in the new coach who was Chuck Reedy from Baylor, a great coach, don't get me wrong, great man, but his style was a little bit different than what I was, uh, you know, accustomed to, you know, and play, especially at the quarterback position because I'm, I like to be in shock and I like to throw the ball, you know, 40, 50 times a game, but he was more of an option guy and, you know, fake the fullback dive and read the tackle and then pull it and run option. And, uh, they also brought in Phil Petty, who came in from South Carolina. I think, uh, yeah, he was a high school. He, he came in the following year as a freshman. And Anthony was still on the team. He, he tore his knee pretty badly, uh, but he was expected to return. And I just felt that with Coach Reeves gone and Coach Eason gone, that I wasn't part of their plans any longer. Uh, the first interview I heard uh, on the radio with Coach Reedy, uh, he had a lot of great things to say about Phil, who had never played yet. And don't get me wrong, I love Phil and I love Anthony to death. They're both still good friends of mine. Uh, but, you know, they, and they were talking about this quarterback controversy between Phil Petty and Anthony Wright. And I was just named, the, you know, All-SEC Freshman Quarterback of the Year. You know, I, I played my butt off, and I didn't feel that I was part of their plans. So I decided to leave. And back then, I don't know if the rule is still the same, but back then when you transfer to, from a Division One school to another Division One school, you have to sit out the year. You can practice with the team, but you can't play. So instead of going D1 to D1, I ended up getting a call from Jim Gush, who was one of my favorite coaches to this day in Garden City, Kansas Junior College. And he said, hey, listen, why don't you come out here and play for a year? You get to play in, in games and you get to keep your skills fresh. And then you get to get re-recruited all over again, just like if you're coming out of high school. You get to take your five visits. You know, you can decide where you want to go after that. So it made sense to me. And I went out to Garden City, Kansas, which was quite the shock uh, having played in front of 110,000 people, and you guys know how Williams Bryce is. So 
having played in front of those types of crowds to come back into a junior college where you're playing on a Saturday night and you're at a high school field and it's cold and rainy and gloomy and dark and there's, you know, 17 people in the crowd, 14 of them are the parents. And it was, you know, to be able to have to get over the, uh, what's the word, the, 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 you know, the, the sadness, not the sadness, but the, you know, you're going from playing from South Carolina and 85,000, 90,000 people on TV, and then you're playing in, you know, in, in Garden City, Kansas, and mud in, on Saturday night in front of, you know, barely anybody. It was tough to get motivated for these games, but it really taught me a lot because I had no choice but to get motivated and still play football. So, and, and it, I'm glad I did because I still have a lot of great friends there and, and from Garden City on that team. And, you know, as, as you all know, you played sports. Um, when you're on a team with, with people and you go to play games with them and you're traveling with them and you're practicing and eating with them and studying with them and, you know, doing just about everything together, you guys, you, you really d- develop a bond as teammates no matter which team it is. You know, even though I left South Carolina and transferred, uh, I still have a very tight bond with all of those Gamecocks that uh, continued to to play there, and uh, there was never any hard feelings that way. So because once you have that bond, it, it's tough to break. And you know, and people understand that there are situations where you know players have to make decisions that you know that's best for them. So I ended up playing at nine, we went nine and three in Garden City, Kansas, and we got to play in a bowl game, and we won the bowl game, and then. I was able to get re-recruited, and Oklahoma was interested at the time, and there are a few other schools out Midwest, uh, and you know, but when UCF called me, Coach Scott Fountain, who was an offensive coordinator slash recruiter at the time, he 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 called me, and I spoke with him, and I was obviously very familiar with UCF, being from Miami. And, of course, Dante Culpepper was the quarterback at the time. And they were an independent school. They weren't in a conference at the time, and they were kind of in the building, you know, mode, and they were determining whether they should go in a conference or remain independent. But the thing that struck my eye the most was that they opened up with Purdue, then Florida, then Georgia Tech, then Georgia, and there was – you know, Bowling Green and Louisiana Tech, which aren't, you know, bad schools also, but then it was Auburn, you know, you know and they had a really good schedule that 99 years, so I knew I was going to be playing some big games. So nobody had played the quarterback position at UCF for four years other than Dante Culpepper, and he was just drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. And I didn't know too much about uh, Mike Kruzak, who was their head coach, uh, and he ended up calling me, and I spoke with him, and I started doing, you know, a little bit of background on him. And he was a, uh, a tremendous college quarterback for Boston College, and he played several years in the NFL and uh, was Terry Bradshaw's backup quarterback for Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of the years where Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl, because it was right during that time that he played that they won back-to-back Super Bowls, Bradshaw got hurt, and, and Coach Cruz came in, and I think it's still a record, but he won six straight games coming off the bench and ended up going in, 
Carrie Bradshaw came back in and they ended up winning the Super Bowl again. But he's got two Super Bowl rings so as a quarterback. And I thought that was pretty neat. So I ended up going to UCF. Plus, I'm from Miami. And I was being young at, you know, 18 years old and being out in Garden City, Kansas, being from Miami, uh, it felt right. And the schedule was right. And they didn't have any – there wasn't another guy that – there were some other quarterbacks on the team, but there wasn't, you know, they, they were expecting me to come in and be the, and be the guy. And I, I like that because it, this game is a lot of politics and you just, you know, you have to deal with it. So I like the fact that I knew that I was going to have a, a fair opportunity to play. And I got to UCF. And when I sat in that first meeting with Coach Kruzak, I was in awe because the way that he taught the game of football was completely different than anything I had ever been taught before in the, you know, 10 or so years of high school and four years of, or whatever it was, nine, 10 years that I had played with a few different coaches, completely different than anything I had ever seen before. And by spending two years with him, it taught me, a way to play quarterback that is not taught in high school for sure. Now there may be exceptions, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, it's not taught in high school and it wasn't taught to me at South Carolina either. And, and John, John Reeves, no slouch. Uh, John Reeves played 11 years in the NFL. When he left Florida, he was um, Florida's all time greatest passer. He in the 70s, and he remained Florida's all-time greatest passer until Danny Werfel ended up beating his records. And he played 11 years in the NFL, and then he came in and he was coaching with Spurrier at the Gators, and our head coach, Brad Scott, was Bobby Bowden's offensive coordinator in the Charlie Ward and Danny Cannell years. And they were bright football minds, and they, they understood, but they – but they played the game differently than Mike Kruzak did. And I didn't even know that there was a different way to play it, right, until Kruzak opened my eyes because the way that Kruzak did it was he taught the quarterback everything you needed to know about defenses. When I was at South Carolina – I knew a cover two, I knew a cover three, I knew a man-to-man, and that was about it. But there are so many other defenses that exist that defensive coordinators, I mean, you've got, when you have, it's like playing a lot of, think of it this way, when you play the lot, you have six, or I forget how many numbers there are, but let's say there's six, seven numbers, but there's 11 defenders on the field, and you can combo those 11 so many different ways this guy goes up, that guy goes back, this guy goes here, that guy goes there. And you can make so many different combinations that they're really the, – the types of defenses that defenses can play against you are endless because of the different combinations you can, can construct with 11 different players. So Kruzak understood that. So he would immediately – I mean, I, we'd be on the plane ride home and he's already, you know – looking at film or, you know, uh, studying next week's opponent because he was so good at 
watching their defense and learning what they did on defense and what their tendencies were that he would teach us Monday, you know, actually it would be Sunday because we didn't have Sundays off. Uh, South Carolina, we did have Sundays off, but Kruzak had us in there on Sundays. On Sunday, when we came in after the game on Saturday, he was already showing us the types of defense that our next week's opponent is going to play. And, you know, when you get into that level of, of, of football and you're playing the Gators, you're playing these big schools, they mix things up all the time. And he was very good at, first of all, he was very good at the, the schemes offensively that he would run. Uh, he had very creative uh, routes, very creative uh, schemes that he would run that were designed to pull defenders in certain ways so that certain guys would be open in certain coverages. But what he did is he taught me how to read defenses. And he taught me that there are more than just your standard defenses. And you had to – you would look at, you know, certain defenses. It didn't have a name. You couldn't say it was cover two or cover two because it was just something that their defensive coordinator came up with and schemed against us that it really didn't have a – you couldn't look it up in a textbook and say, oh, there it is, cover, you know, two cloud or whatever, you know. It was something that – in in, in Defensive coordinators are very good at doing that, so they come up with their, their own schemes. But he said, you know, this is what they end up in after the snap of the ball. So I know that they look like they're lined up in cover two, for example, when you come up to the line of scrimmage. And 50% of the time they remain in cover two, but the other 50% of the time they do something completely different, even though they're showing cover two. And they're all guys are moving around as he said, but just look at number 44 right here. You see how number 44, see where the hash mark is. See how number 44 is a yard to the right of the hash mark on this play. Every time he's a yard or a foot sometimes to the right of the hash mark, that's when they show cover two and remain in cover two. And when he's, a foot over to the right, and he's actually standing on the hash mark, or he's just just to the left of the hash mark or the right of the hash mark, that's when they show cover two and they drop into one of these crazy things that they're going to do, all right? So when you see that guy here, if I have a play called and they drop into this particular defense that we, he would teach us, that play, that defense is going to stop the play that I called, Vic, and I could only be right a certain percentage of the time because there's a certain percentage of that time I'm going to call it a play in anticipation of what I think they're going to be in. But it's your responsibility as the, as the leader and the field general to determine at the line whether or not I'm right or not. And if I'm wrong, get out of it and get into a play that's going to beat the defense that they're going to end up in. So he's very good at teaching us that. So we're coming up to the line. I mean, you you know, if you follow football, you hear of quarterbacks, or he's finally got the ability to audible, or they're giving him the ability to – Kruzak required us to audible. It was – if we missed an audible and we ran a play, even though he called it, and we ran a play and they came out on defense that was going to stop that play, and we were supposed to recognize it based off the keys that he taught us, and we didn't change it, we were at fault as the quarterback because 
it was our responsibility to get our offense out of a bad play and into a play that had a chance to be successful. Uh, and he was very good at that. So, if you know, I started watching these tapes a, a couple months ago uh, during the coronavirus, you know, lockdown. Some of my old teammates asked me if I had any film. And I pulled them out of storage and, you know, these 20, 15, 20-year-old 20 tapes, and I'm watching them, and I just – how many times I, I audibled. And, and guys like Peyton Manning played the game of football that way because if you were to watch Peyton – he was he was always changing the plays. He was Omaha this and you know you know tapping his head. And he was always changing the plays because that's the way Peyton played. Peyton would the offense Peyton would run was dictated by what defense they were in. He didn't come out and say we're going to run this offense because we're going to it's going to beat any defense. He would determine what the defense was going to end up in after the snap of the ball. And he'd call a play that would just beat that defense, and that's why he was able to be so successful. And it's a completely different way of playing. It's easier, to be honest with you, because I I see it all the time, and even 20 years later, I still see it today, whether it be a high school game or a college game and even an NFL game where quarterbacks drop back, tremendous athletes, you know, 6'5", 260, can run four four forties and throw the ball 150 yards. But when they hit that fifth step in their drop, you see a blank look. And there are so many quarterbacks out there that just don't know what they're doing. And it's not because they're dumb or not athletic or, you know, anything like that. In my opinion, it's because they're not taught and coached properly. And when they hit their, their fifth step in their drop and they're, they're – they're not quite sure what to do, and if something changes a little bit out of the ordinary, they will take off running. They'll throw the ball away. They'll hold it and just get sacked. And, you know, <clears throat> I learned a lot of things from all of my coaches, and one of the things I learned very early on in high school was as a quarterback, the longer you hold on to the football, the more bad things can happen. So I always played where I, you know, had a plan coming up to the line of scrimmage and, and coach Reeves at South Carolina was very good at making sure that you had a plan. And it was a little bit different than the way Cruzak did it. I didn't really even care what the defense was in. I would look and I would kind of, you know, maybe guess what they were going to end up in. Um, but I really didn't know. I really didn't know. Um, and what I would do is I would drop back and it would be, you know, look at this guy first. If he's not open, look at this guy. If he's not open, look at that guy. If he's not open, look at that guy. And to play football that way versus I know this guy's going to be open because I called the play that's going to beat the defense is completely different. And it gives you a, a tremendous amount of confidence that when I started the virtual QB training, one of the reasons why I did a, a virtual QB training is that I wanted to be able to give this knowledge back to as many quarterbacks as I could. And I really wanted to, uh, I guess, revolutionize and help the game of football because at the end of the day, it boils down to the quarterback and the quarterback made plays, you know, and I look at the university of Miami in the last 20 years and they have such tremendous athletes at the skill positions 
but they haven't been able to have a quarterback or they haven't been able to teach properly a quarterback properly since Dorsey, since Ken Dorsey. A guy that can get the ball out of his hands and just get it to his skill players so that these guys can make plays. He doesn't have to run a 4-4. He doesn't have to be 6-5. He doesn't have to throw the ball 100 yards. He just has to have a mind and a plan and know what the defenses are going to do, know who's going to be open, and when you play that way, it's like playing in your backyard. All right, go down on the tree and turn left. You know, he's going to be there because you call as a quarterback at the line of scrimmage and a play that you know is going to beat the defense that they're going to end up in. And that's why UCF has always been, when Kruzak was there, always put up humongous numbers offensively. I mean, even before Dante. Uh, now, I, they didn't go to Division One until, I think, Dante's uh, sophomore, junior year. And when I got there, it was Division One. But they've always, the quarterbacks at UCF, if you look them up, they've always put up big numbers. I mean, I was throwing, I think I threw uh, 55 times against the Gators in the swamp and completed 37 of them for just about 400 yards and three touchdowns. And it's because I knew what I was doing for the first time ever playing football. I was confident when I dropped back and I knew what I was doing versus kind of looking around and seeing who was open and maybe trying to guess at it a little bit and get a feel. And maybe I was right. Maybe I had a, a, maybe I had a philosophy here, you know, that this guy, one of these two guys or three guys are going to be open and, you know, but with Cruzac style, I already knew it was going to be this guy, you know, now there are always obviously exceptions to everything. Uh, Something could have changed or, you know, I could have messed up or made a, a, a wrong read or something of that nature. But for the most part, I knew who was going to be open right for my first step so I could hit my fifth step or my third step or my seventh step and come up and throw on time and be accurate because quarterback is also about timing and it's about rhythm. So when you hit your, your, your fifth step and you plant and you do your hitch, you come up, you want to throw right as you're right. If you, if you hitch and then you come up and you're standing and you're holding the ball and your feet are now, and, you know, not in that back hitch throw, you're less likely to be accurate because you don't have the rhythm you do that when you come back, you hit your fifth step. It's kind of like a baseball player, you know, a shortstop fielding a ground ball, takes the shortstop, does a little hop, skip, and a jump, and throws the ball. But if he does the hop, skip, and a jump, and then stops and stands there and then tries to throw over to first, he's not going to be as accurate as if he feels that ground ball smoothly and it's all one continued motion and he throws the ball over to first with, you know, nice and smooth and it looks really pretty. And quarterback's the same way because it's all rhythm. So when you hit that fifth step and you come up and you throw, your chances of being accurate are greatly increased versus hitting that fifth step, not knowing exactly what to do, Therefore, you don't throw it. Now your your feet are flat, and you're standing there, and maybe you're you know you're looking around, and then trying to make a throw versus having that rhythm that a shortstop would have throwing first. And Cruzak's way allowed you to be able to have to throw on rhythm, and he was very big on rhythm. Also, um, it allowed you to throw on rhythm, 
because you knew who was going to be open, because you called the play at the line of scrimmage, because you knew what defense they were going to be in, you know? And it just completely opened my eyes to the game of football in a way that I had never seen before. And, uh, you know, I have been out of it for a long time. You know, I've been a financial advisor for a long time, and I, and I had I never got into coaching. Uh, but when I tested it, the virtual training, and had a couple of my old teammates who have sons who are, you know, getting ready to play quarterback, and I tested the virtual training, and the difference from the first video that they sent me and then me coaching them via, you know, uh, video or zoom calls or telephone calls or um, however, which way I decided to do it because I do it differently every time uh, because every, every player is different. So I don't have a, it's like a defense. I don't have a standard protocol uh, training formula that I do. I have to look at each quarterback and I have to assess each quarterback and then I have to create something for that quarterback that I know is going to help him and it's going to convey the message to him so that he understands it uh, versus just saying, hey, do this, hold the ball there, do that, you know, and having a textbook answer for everyone. I have to customize it for each quarterback because they're all different. Every single one of them is, 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 is different. They hold the ball differently. They drop differently. They're taller. They're shorter. They're faster, they're slower. I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things. Everybody has their own great things, and everybody has their, their, the errors that, that they make. So when I started thinking about it from that perspective, it made more sense to me to be able to coach a quarterback virtually. Obviously, you have to have a coach on the field, but as far as off-season or you know, during-season-type training, I'm not talking about the, the actual quarterback coach on the team. I'm talking about you know, going to a local coach because the, or, or excuse me, a local trainer, QB trainer, that's going to be on the field with you versus being trained by someone who's, you know, 350 miles away. The natural tendency is to think that, um, you know, it's going to be better for to be local. So um, that's what I was thinking. I'm probably talking too much. So sorry about that. No, 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 no. You did fine. You, you actually, you did really good. I, I, it's nice to finally sit back and, and, and be able to do it here. Unfortunately, we do have to go to break. Uh, we, we've got to wrap this part up, but I do want to get you back in here because I want to get more into, you know, the, the virtual QB training that you do. Uh, what's the easiest way for our listeners to connect with you so that they can get maybe that first conversation, and I know that's that's the free sure. part of it is is finding out who you are. But you know, how do they connect with you, Vic, in getting that at least uh, under their belt to begin this whole process? They, I appreciate that. They can do one of two things. One, they can go to Facebook and they can just type in Vic Penn, V-I-C-P-E-N-N. Uh, the other thing they can do is they can go to virtualqbtraining.com, and the website is designed to take them right through the process. And I offer a, a, an initial free consultation with the family, with the quarterback or with the mom and dad. And I first, I speak with them on the phone to find out the situation, but the best way to do it is either to go to the website or go to Facebook and it directs them to me from there. Um, my phone number is area code 850 
903-1845. They can call me also, but, uh, you know, the website is the best way because it, it really takes them through the process and it helps them if they, if they follow the web, the website, like if they're reading a book, then it's designed to educate them as to why virtual training, in my opinion, is better than, you know, one-on-one training with, with someone that's there with them on the field because of the film aspect of it. It's, it boils down to the film and, and, you know, being able to watch on video. Well, Vic, we greatly appreciate it, man, not only for the time that you gave us tonight, but the time you played with the Gamecocks, of course, in Florida, made your way to Kansas. You gave a lot of storylines here, and it's not where you start, it's where you finish, and that past and pattern and the uh, testimony, if you will, in between there has been amazing to hear. And, uh, man, I tell you what, you ought to write a book on the top of it because you've been it, you've seen it, and you're living the dream daily, man. Thank you so much for coming in. We'll catch up off the air. I'm going to get you in here uh, uh, some more because I think what you're doing is huge, and we want to do what we can to help you out. Absolutely. And, listen, I thank you uh, for having me on the show. I really appreciate you considering me, and anything I can do to help or anything you need, you need to talk to me at any time, just you have my number and just give me a call. And, and thank you very much for, for the time today. You got it, buddy. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Vic Penn. Of course, he played for the Gamecocks. He played for Central Florida. He played for Marina Ball. He played in Canada. Played in Kansas. I mean, everywhere he played, he had multiple coaches, and he's taken all of that knowledge. And here he goes now with the one and only virtual QB training. It's, a, it's one of a kind. You want to check it out. we got a quick break. Come back. We're heading to the fort. We're talking basketball. That's right. We're going to do uh, the hardwood here tonight. We welcome in here. Coach Thomas comes in for the first of many visits. And, boy, I tell you, a lot to cover with this coach as well. Don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elvin. This is Southern Sports Central. Now, the tent farm is the one-stop shop for all of your tent needs. You can locate them over there at 7634 South Railroad in North Charleston. You can call them on the mobile. That's 843-297-4131. And you can find them on the web at tentfarm.com. Now, we head back to the Tent Farm hotline for the Jones Pharmacy segment. Of course, Jones Pharmacy is located right in Somerville at 140 South Main Street, downtown Somerville. You can find them on the web at jonespharmacy.com. You can give the staff a call at 843-873-2531. Now, Third Thursday is going to be coming back soon. When it does, we'll be right here in front of the doors of Jones Pharmacy for a live Thursday night show. Now, here we go. Let's get to the hardwood, to the Fort Dorchester we head with the one and only Coach Thomas joining us. What's up, Coach? I appreciate you waiting and hanging out with me tonight. Thank you for having me. How you doing? You're doing good, man. First of all, 
how's the family doing? This is the first of many. You and I have had many conversations, but it's a feather in my cap to get you in here to talk about your team, your family, and just the entire Fort family once again a little bit uh, different than the football and the baseball that we've been covering. Yeah, my uh, family doing well. Um, the boys, I got all three of my boys home, and, they, you know, eating me out of house and home. They're ready to get back to normal. I got two of them that are still playing football, so they should be, they're going to be getting um, going here uh, shortly once uh, everything gets cleared up with this pandemic. Now, how old are the boys, uh, if you don't mind me asking? What, what age group are you dealing with over there in the house? I got a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 17. So you're the 17-year-old. Is he still at the Ford? Is that, would that be accurate? Yes, he, he plays uh, linebacker at uh, Fort Chester. I thought so. I thought so. Now, the other two fellas, 23, 21, are they still playing football? Are they done? Or what, what, what's the story with they, these young men? The uh, the 21-year-old is still playing football. He's at uh, Firm, and he's he's a running back now. He was a, uh, a safety at Goose Creek, but now he switched switch over to the offensive side. Now he's playing running back up at uh, Furman University. And Jordan, my oldest, who was uh, 23, he just finished up uh, college, and he was the one that um, – he's my, one of my assistant coaches that's helping me out. It was a big, big help on uh, our success last year. Yeah, well, you guys had a lot of success here. Uh, we're going to talk basketball with you, but but I, I want to talk a little bit about what we talked about on Tuesday night and kind of kind of have some conversation with you. Of course, you know, you and I here live in Charleston, where we live in the, the outlying areas of Charleston. We've all seen, you know, what happened, of course, with the uh, the parade, the party, the the gathering. You know, people want to label it different things, but it's definitely a movement, if you will, right? And when you look at downtown, yeah. and then unfortunately – Saturday night, not the same story as it was on Saturday. Very peaceful Saturday, kind of tough. A lot of feelings uh, on Saturday night. Let me let me ask you this this question here. You, you've had this conversation, I know, with the boys uh, because I know you personally. You and I, of course, hang out sometimes over at the barbershop at times, and sometimes just in town we we'll run in together. How do you handle this with three young men that you you've got to you got to teach them, you got to educate them, you got to get them ready for for the world that we're living in? And my God, you know, it, it's not an easy conversation, Coach, but but before you coach your, your your team, you got to coach your own team there at the house. How did that conversation happen this weekend, Coach? Well, we was uh, we didn't talk too much about it this weekend. Um, but over the course of the years of growing up, I always uh, uh, taught my guys how to how to deal with cops when you come in when you come in contact with the cops, what to do when you're getting pulled over, and so I always had that talk with him with them and, and it was and I always let them know that hey not all cops are bad, not all uh cops are evil, but I just wanted to make sure that they would do uh the right thing where will make the cop so the cop won't be uh at ease when he's if they ever being pulled over so they'll know what's going on. So I like down on your windows and make sure your music off so you can hear all verbal commands things like that and keeping your hands up so they can see What's going on? Don't be fidgety, because you uh. So I, those were conversations that I always had with my boys growing up. So um, I didn't have to have anything like that with this weekend. It just we were just watching the TV and all the different um, protests that was going on, and um, the guys. What my matter of fact, my middle boy he went to one of the peaceful te- uh, protests on yesterday. Um, 
and I'm okay with them going um doing the protests and things like that, but you know, I was kinda kinda worried about the situation because you how you had some people out there for protesting, but then you had some people out there for other motives, for like the looting and things like that, which it was a lot of people that came here to Charleston that wasn't from Charleston that did that. Um that yeah. a lot of the looting. So that's what made that's what messed the whole movement or kinda of messed up the whole movement. Um, all sure. the things that was going on, so because that kind of overshadowed what was the whole movement was about. Right, right. We're live right now with the head basketball coach over there, support uh, men's basketball coach, Coach Thomas, joins us now for the first of many to talk to us about some basketball. But there's some other things outside of the uh, outside of the gym that we're, we're we want to make sure that we touch on. Again, you know, being silent hasn't worked, so we're trying another angle here, Coach and. You know, I mentioned earlier protest versus parade. If you saw the sheriff in Michigan, you know, he, he showed, I thought, uh, some, some really first class, some really hearted, uh, just something, it was probably the first piece of social media during this that I was like, wow, that, that's what I'm talking about. And, of course, he's a Caucasian sheriff there in Michigan. He puts down, you know, anything in their hands. They take off their headgear, and he looks at these guys, hey, look, I, I'm with you. What, what do you. what can we do? And, Let's turn this protest into a parade. Let's 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 do whatever needs to be done. And of course, the entire sheriff's department there in Michigan, that town in, in Michigan, marched right down the streets with them. And and those are the things that you said yesterday. There was a peaceful one yesterday. There was multiple ones here in Somerville, you know. And, and I think the thing that people need to understand is, is that the damage and destruction, the things that we're seeing, especially here in Charleston, were people that weren't even from Charleston. The people that were yeah, that's- coming in from other places. And I think that's – I'm glad you mentioned that again because we had a bunch of guys on, on Tuesday. And that's the, that's the biggest part of this whole scenario, the conspiracy part. We, we need to uncover because I'm telling you, growing up in Myrtle Beach, that was always my thing is, you know, you want to say what you say about Myrtle Beach, but most of the issues we have in Myrtle Beach are the people that come from other places and bring the drama with them. And that's what we saw on Saturday night here in Charleston there, Coach. Yeah, you, you're absolutely uh, correct. I just like – when I'm at work, um, I always argue with people all the time that come here, and they always say, oh, people from Charleston can't drive. And I tell them all the time, I say, oh, we can drive. It's you guys. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? I said, where are you from? Maybe for Ohio or, or Georgia or New York. I said, I said, majority of the people that's here are not from here. <laughs> I said, so you can't say people from Charleston can't drive. Right. So, I mean, like, with this whole thing with the protests, you know, they were they – were, uh, they, they got pictures and videos of, of – um, Barcelona's of people coming in um, for the for the uh, protests and things like that. Why did why did you have to bust anybody here? Anybody can catch a ride right. uh, to Marion Square in uh, downtown to, to do the, the, for the protest. You didn't have to bust nobody down. Those are people who was bust down here and they was paid. Um, there's there's um, there's some talks out there that people were paid around and, mm-hmm. and damage these buildings all throughout different cities. So and that's a shame I mean, because that's always my thing, coach. Huh? Is that why that's my thing, coaches. Why why come from another town? You have a town. This is a nationwide, this is a worldwide epidemic. This is something that is that's hit every town in you in the United States. Why why leave the town you're in? Why not protest or why not do the movement where you live? Right? That's where you need to make the changes in your backyard. You don't need to come in my backyard. And we, we got this. And that's kind of my exactly. Thing, so I'm gonna let you kind of finish your topic there. Yeah, I mean that's you're you're right. That's why like if you would you would look at all, all the 
the TV um, um, news section, it was it was always hitting different cities. And, and right. if you look at it, it started on Friday. I think it was Friday. Uh, I think Atlanta was the first place they did it in, in, for, uh, Friday in Atlanta. Then it went to Charleston and Columbia, Charlotte. Uh, they they tried to go up in Greenville, so they all the stuff was was planned. So they they had their own right. uh, plan, and so they had they had some people coming on the East Coast, people on the West Coast. They was just they was hitting those major cities where they normally have issues at. And Charleston just happened to be one this time that they decided that I guess they wanted to come down here and, and cause uh, some ruckus, as you should say. Yeah, they, and they did a good job at it. Saturday night, people up late caused us to, to go inside early. You know, we had to be told on Sunday night, Monday night, we had to be in before 6 o'clock, and nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes that. Coach, how does this affect the sports world, though? How does the sports world get involved in this? And, you know, like I want to use this platform because, yes, there's stats and scores, and, you know, NBA, for example, getting ready to start back here in the next few weeks or within a month. You know, of course, that's that's out there, but there, there's something that's a little bit more. And I feel like as an athlete, we we are giving a platform because we're athletes to give that opportunity to to speak and and to help kind of mold and and reunite us back together. Because reunited on the basketball court on on any given night, right? We're we're there sweating together at practice. We're there getting yelled at or or applauded when we do good. Mm-hmm. You know, coach. So so tell me, how can sports and how can we all? here in the world of sports uh, as athletes do what we're taught to do and be leaders and let's get through this and, and, and let's start getting us going in the right direction. Well, you know, one thing I can always say, um, a lot of things that we're missing right now is, is the sports because, you know, when you play in a sport, that teaches you uh, brotherhood, uh, family, and dependability, depending on the next man aside, uh, beside you. And that person don't have to be black, white, Chinese. It could be anybody. And when you when you play in sports and when you're on a team, you become a brotherhood. And when we be like family, like like Fort like Fort Chester, we like a family. All our sports, we like a family. Like uh we have this this saying, like my for the basketball team, our saying is it was Fort Fram. And we were just and we one big old family. When when you out here doing sports and things like that, it teaches you um, sports in the military teaches you the, uh, the helping your brother and depending on your brother versus being independent. And I think when you play, when you're doing sports, and when sports is involved in someone's life, is helping that person. And I think without, without us having any type of sports going on, that's kind of a problem to the whole situation too, because people don't have something to do, they don't have something to look forward to, and sports play a big big role in molding a lot of uh a lot of kids cuz i mean to, to be real a lot of a lot of whites and blacks don't mix and mingle unless they with sports and and the media plays a bad picture on uh portraying the image of a white person or a black person and if if people are never um intertwined and dealing with each other race what you see on TV is what you're going to think. If you're yeah. constantly seeing white police officers uh, putting a knee on on a, a black person's neck or a white police officer doing this to uh, blacks, your mind going to be like, okay, all whites are racist, all whites do bad. Or if you're constantly seeing blacks 
committing crime, doing things, beating up people, shooting. In their mind, they're going to be like, okay, all black people are criminals. So the media portray a lot of image of what society, uh, uh, how society look at different ones. And whereas sports, when sports come involved, you don't, sports take that away because when you're out there playing together, you you need each other. It don't matter if you're white, black, like I said, white, black, or Chinese. Your offensive lineman can be a black guy. Your offensive lineman can be a, a white guy. If you're running back, all you care is he blocking for you and you're doing well. Or you're a quarterback. <laughs> He's blocking for me right. and he keeping me protected. So, I mean, that's why I say we need sports will help heal a lot, but it's a lot of stuff that needs to change because, you know, it, what's going on, it's, it's going to take time. It's been going on for a long time, and, you know, it's not going to stop overnight. Right. But now that everybody is, is coming to light more and people starting to understand, I, I think we might we, we going towards the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And, you know, the one thing I said to somebody today, they said, when does it stop? I said, it stops when things change, when there's a difference. But when you start seeing things physically, not mentally, not vocally, when physically change is starting to happen, you know, it, 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 you'll start seeing the other change in, in everything else as the cause and effect here. So uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of this, Coach, and give you an opportunity to have a voice as well because you're raising three young black men into this world today. Of course, you and, and, and your other half are, are part of, you know, uh, like myself. You know, I've got two boys and two girls uh, that, I, that I'm accountable for, right? But they're, my job is to get them ready for the world. And it's weird because yet while we are teaching, it's our kids that really are teaching us so much. They don't, you know, we said yeah. this on the show last week, that if you go to a gym, matter of fact, you go to Hagen Park tomorrow, and you watch and see the kids that play together, they could care less. Like you mentioned, they, they, when it comes to an offensive lineman or anybody else, they don't care who it is. They just know they just picked up a brand-new friend that just got out of that car, and I'm counting it down when that guy or girl comes on the park field, and we're gonna we're gonna sit here and have a good time today. And I think that's what we need to get back to, Coach. As uh, as I appreciate your words there. Now, talk some basketball with me here. Um, and again, I appreciate your time tonight. What a season! I mean, uh, you know, uh, you're you're one of the newest sheriffs in town when it comes to the uh, athletic department over there at Fort. But boy, you have started uh, blazing from from the start last year. I watched you guys in Ash Ridge. I watched you at Somerville. I watched you at home. Uh, you know, I talked to you before a lot of those games, and I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that's going to slow you guys down is yourself. Uh, I know you didn't finish where you wanted to, but but kind of recap 2019. And if I'm not mistaken, is that your, that's your second year as the head basketball coach? Is that right? No, that was my first year, first year. That was your first year. That's right. So as your first year, that was you, first. You, you do everything you need to do. You make it into the playoffs. You do everything you got to do. You had an incredible dunk. Highlight. Now, I get it was a foul, but it still was an incredible thing. Uh, talk about that twenty. Well, actually, it, it, it wasn't. It right. wasn't a foul. It wasn't a foul. It was. All right. It well, then break that part down for me. Well, I mean, the ref. We had a. That was a big. That's a whole nother <laughs> topic. But we had a big discussion about it. Um, the ref. If, if you watch the play as it unfolded, the referee had his had the the whistle in his mouth. He was ready to make the call before the. The contact even happened. Um, the kid was sliding, and he called he called a, a charge where it should have been a blocking foul. And even the uh, coach from um, White Knowles, he called me and told me, he said, man, I didn't go lie to you, man. 
That was a bogus call. <laughs> that, 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 my guy slid on him. Ain't nothing he could have do. He he just sat there and tried to take the charge. And I and I knew he. I thought he was late when we got the whistle. I was surprised. I thought he was calling and one. So I mean, everybody. I, I like. I watched this. I watched the angle from the angle where he was at, and I was watching the angle where I was at, and you could see that he he plays he slid under. And when the, the referee. He already was ready to make his call. So he had his mind up. He was going to call that before the call even happened. We're live right now with the one and only uh, first time calling in, many times to come for his first year in the books for the one and only coach. Thomas McKellen joins us now over here on uh, the uh, Tim Farm Hotline talking about that magical season. It was a magical season. Would you say uh, your overall assessment in the year that you guys just had, of course, uh, you got a lot of guys coming back this year, Coach. Uh, what's that like? And just kind of give us your overall opinion from the beginning to the end when you guys uh, kind of wrapped up the season. Well, at the beginning, you know, uh, the guys, a lot of the guys didn't know me because I coached I coach football over there for several years. And I'm known through the community of coaching uh, travel basketball. So a lot of the guys didn't know of me, but they never, uh, they never played basketball under me. And, you know, you coach football one way, and you got to coach basketball another way. Like, and so these guys, they had to get used to me. So it was like a learning. It was like a learning. Uh, we had like a learning curve, should I say? Because I was trying to get uh, get to know them. They were trying to get to know me. Uh, the whole situation, how the job came open. I became. I just took the job over in the middle of June. About uh, around this time last year, I was about to take over the job. So we didn't get to go to any camps or anything like that. So the kids didn't really get to really do any type of uh, workouts with me and get to see my style. So it was kind of like learning on the fly. I had to learn them. They had to learn me. So to see the process, uh, the, the finished product of last season, the way how we uh, we finished, I was, like, really surprised, and I was very proud of those young men because those guys fought and there was a lot of games that we were behind that we had to come back, and those guys didn't give up. And um, we we had a very good season. I was very proud of them. We had, like I said, we had uh, I had uh, one player that made uh, all state, Antoine Parker. He made all state and was also all region. Then you had um, Gerald um, Howard. Um, uh, Howard he he uh, was all region. He's a senior. He's going to be gone as well. Demetri McKelvey. Who was a sophomore? He he was my other uh, all region guy, and me first year I was I was coach of the year for the region because we won the we were the region champs, so I won also I won coach of the uh, year for the region as well. They what what an accolade it was, and it was uh, well all said and done. They guys uh, loaded up the trophy case over at Port Orchester. We're live with the one and only. First time head coach uh, over there at Board Dorchester, Thomas McKellen joins his coach. You know, so many great moments. And, again, like I mentioned, watching you guys, just it was the discipline football, it was, or basketball, excuse me. It was all the way that you guys moved around the court. You, you had them at never one point where even in Somerville, where I watched you guys on the road there in uh, Somerville, where it seemed like you guys, uh, you, you, you may give up a little bit here, but it was the only make a huge major comeback and then finally put those – those daggers in in the coffin there as you guys would finish the game. Tell us about what was it about this team that made it different than you may have seen in other teams where you guys just seem to have the ability 
to finish strong, and that was kind of the headlines to having you guys have such a successful story. Yeah, like those guys, they just had they just had determination that they wasn't going to lose. Um, they there'd be some times where the, the calls wasn't going for us and the shots wasn't falling, but these guys made up by playing defense. They they got in their mind when they when they wanted to play defense, they got in their mind say, Hey, our shot might not fall, but you ain't gonna score. We'll be going back and forth missing baskets, but we're gonna make sure you don't score. I was our our basket is gonna eventually drop, but we're gonna stop you off from scoring. And that was the the mentality those guys had. Like we had a lot of I mean, you had a lot of hustling, constantly um hustling from different ones. At any given night we had a a, a different leading score. Like we weren't one team that just depended on Antoine Parker scoring uh, twenty points a game or um, Omar having to score uh, twenty points a game. You had different ones scoring because at, at any given night, any one of those guys could get hot and start scoring. The uh, beauty of this team, like it was hard for people to scout us because we didn't have a main man that you could uh, you could have shut down and and. Um, and, and stop us. We had several people that you had to worry about because when you load up uh, on the left side trying to stop one player, we just went to the other side and, and we caught you off balance and we, we made a lot of backdoor cuts laying the ball up. We, I made sure that we weren't one-dimensional because I, cause I, we ran on the road a couple – we ran up against a couple uh, teams that had like – they just played everything to one player and – I just say, hey, especially when we had that stretch when we was playing, uh, when we played eight games in twelve days. I just say, hey, we just yeah, yeah. we're not gonna run around and get tired. We were just we were just running box and one against that fella, and that's what we did, and we we shut them down. Coach Jalman is joining us all the way from the Fort Fort Dorchester's men's head basketball coach, talking to us about that incredible season. Of course, he was the region coach of the year. He had region players all over the court. The finish was there at the beginning were strong, and, of course, uh, it was uh, quite a start to your uh, Fort Dorchester career as a coach over there with, uh, of course, uh, Coach Pratt. He had to be pretty excited, and that's one thing I love. We've had your athletic director, of course, also the head football coach in here. We had your principal on uh, just a few weeks ago as we did a, a spotlight uh, in the campus tour all the one over there at Fort Dorchester on a Sunday a couple weeks ago. And, you know, they all speak highly of you. They love not only what you are on the court, it's, how you handle yourself off the court. And, of course, I spend time in the same barbershop you do here in Somerville, and, and, and all of these older gentlemen say so many things about you. And I want you to understand that that, to me, is the most important thing, uh, Coach, that these guys, they're, they're buying in what you're putting out. And, again, I, I can't say enough how much it means to me to have a coach like you in our community and around our kids here in the area. Thank you. I appreciate it. I just, like I said, I, I try hard, you know, me being a, a minister, um, a man of God, I, I you know, I got to I gotta hold myself more a uh, higher standard than, than other people because people look at you. So especially when they know you're a minister, you, you got to be careful what you do, what you say, um, because what you do going to hold more weight than the next person. So and, um, even with, with, as being a coach, I can't be out there – going acting crazy and things like that because the kids gonna think, okay, that's how he should act because him being adult, he's acting like that. I should be able to act like that. And then I have an excuse because I'm a child. So I always, I always try to uh, hold myself, uh, try to hold myself to a higher standard. Um, 
for a while there, a lot of people used to used to think used to say that you know I act like I, I think I'm better than the next one. That was never the case. I just you know I had a way that I wanted to be uh, people to see me as, and, and if, if God forbid, if I were to die or something like that, you know people always go up there and talk, and sometimes you'd be wondering how much is that the truth. Well, when they when they uh, when they reading and talking about me, I want people to know that I want the crowd to be shaking their heads, saying, "Yeah, that was Thomas, that was Coach McElveen, or whatever they call me," because I want to live. If I'm living that life, I want to live the true life. I don't want to be no hypocrite. And we all know we all have we all have uh, we all have faults, but you know you you just you just try to, to do right. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. You are doing it the right way, and we're seeing it there firsthand as we are live right now with Coach McElveen joining us all the way from the fort. Uh, of course, he is the head men's basketball coach. Coach, we haven't had as much opportunity to talk to some basketball coaches, so you're one of the first that we're going to get in here with. How much has this COVID-19 affected basketball? I know the season was already over for at least the high school leagues, but yet AAU picks up, travel ball picks up, weights pick up, all that. How much has that affected you guys, and how much do you think it's going to have a play into this upcoming 2020 season? Um, well, AU it had um, I mean, it, it affected a lot of basketball because you have a lot of you had a lot of rising seniors that um, you know, this this spring and summer was going to be their their year. It was going to be their ticket. It was going it was going to go out and show the guys what they made of, and you have some people that might have been getting some interest. And um, they say, okay, well, we're going to see how you do on the circuit this year. And then we evaluate you and decide if we want to give you an offer. And now those guys are not going to have the opportunity to show, hey, I can play against those guys. I can't be a uh, D1 type player or I can't be a, a college athlete, period. But a lot of these guys are not going to get that uh, chance. And they're going to have to rely on coaches coming to – their high school and, and watch them in in um in uh winter to get that scholarship if they didn't um if they don't know if the NCAA decides not to open up um any live period or any type of camps in August. Right now I got an email today that they're supposed to be um they might be coming up with some live events in August um where kids is gonna uh, be able to go and play in these events but then now well, you play doing events in in August. Now that comes in in the play where kids who's a two sport athlete who's playing football. Now now you got a kid that's going to be risk going to play basketball and getting hurt and not being able to play football, or be sore from football and can't participate and do well in basketball during the during the um, basketball tournament for that weekend. So it's going to be a mess. Um, as far as me. You know, we it, it was a lot of stuff that I wanted to get done. I had a lot of ideas um, I wanted to uh, put in place with the guys, um, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go figure something, figure it out how to, how we're gonna make everything work. Because uh, the, the good thing about it is we all want to see him playing field. Like last year, like me taking over um, in the middle of June, we didn't get to go any type of camps or do any type of uh, stuff in June like most teams um were able to do. So we were behind the um we was behind the eight ball when the see when uh, getting things done in the preseason. So with this being done like this, the good thing is everybody's on the same level field. It's not just uh 
the low country having COVID-19 issues. The whole state of South Carolina is having it. And uh, so we all going to be on the same um, level field. So I think whatever uh, issues or um, negativity that's going to come from it, I think it should, it should happen across the board. I don't think it's going to make it uh, favorable for one person uh, to the other. And Coach, I tell you what, you, you think all the way back to, of course, uh, the hurricane that we had during the football season, while it affected the low country, it didn't have the same effect on those mm-hmm. in the upstate. So, so you're right. It is There is a positive in, in, in some of the negative that we have here. At least everybody is on the same playing field, that everything here is, uh, is really kind of an even kill, if you will. Uh, and, and it's interesting to me because you do have uh, you, you have your history there with the AAU, the travel ball. So your opinion of travel ball may be a little different than another coach's travel ball opinion there because some of those understand. And in basketball, of course, there's a lot of eyes and ears in, in the stands and on the sides and, and mm-hmm. around these tournaments, right? So you're, you're not getting that. You're not getting that. They are playing basketball when you're playing basketball, so it's not as easy for these coaches to come and actually recruit or to watch and to be a part of uh, these young men and women, by the way, because the ladies are, as you know, play just as good basketball, not only here, but all around. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, oh, yeah. yeah, we, we look, uh, we, we look forward to that coach. Uh, I do appreciate your time tonight. I appreciate you waiting around a little bit longer here. Um, I want to get you in and, and I'd like to get maybe you on a mission to maybe we get a panel of basketball coaches and maybe we kind of put together a little basketball show as uh, that would be fun. That'd be interesting. Uh, to just talk some basketball, maybe Matt over there at Matt's Barbershop, maybe he'll give us a little corner over there and we'll do a live show together. That would be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, I just yeah, uh, uh, I appreciate just, your friendship as well as anything. Yeah, just let me know. And, you know, I can set it up. I can get different um, high school coaches that we, we can sit down. Because that's another thing that I'm trying to bridge the gap. Um, I know a lot of people are not going to see it, but everybody know me. I speak my mind. Um, the basketball – the basketball coaches here and football as well. We are we are too divided. We need to get on. We need to get on the same path. We need to we need to root for each other, uh, uh, support each other when one team is doing well. Um, over the years of me being a coach and just going to the state championship game, I always would root for the local team when they were there because I felt like hey they represent the team from Charleston. If it was Burke. North Charleston, Goose Creek, um, Jams Island, Wando, when they went. Um, Wando them beat us, and but they went to the state championship. I still rooted for them. You, I mean, our coaches need to get together, and we need to form some type of bond because, like, everywhere you go, um, if it's if it's in uh, Columbia or the PD area, um, the Midlands or the PD area or the upstate, those coaches stay together. They don't. They don't be up there talk. They don't be up there in the coaches' room talking about the other coaches like the low country guys do. And um, I feel like a panel where we can we can talk. These all the coaches talk to each other, and you know we can we can talk and you know like you say talk basketball and things like that. I think once we start communicating with each other, it can mm-hmm. we can probably start we can start bridging bridging that gap where where all the issues that was going on over the, over the years in the low country, we can close that gap. 
Yeah, I would totally agree with you. We're live right now with Fort Worcester's own, the men's basketball coach. Mike will be joining us right now for many to come, of course. Uh, and that's something that you and I will talk about off the air because I, I, I'm just visualizing it being kind of, uh, you know, um, the hardwood talk or, or something. We, we can think of a name here in Southern Sports Central, and it's Sunday nights because during football season, you know, Sunday night becomes an open night for us because we focus – on the Monday through Friday, maybe I give it to you and say, hey, look, I'm going to let you do this. I'll run the board and let you kind of run the show, and you can we'll, – we'll do something. Because it's in every town. It's in every town, and, and, and very heavily we, we show a lot of love to the Friday Night Lights as we do here in Southern Sports Central. But, but then all of a sudden it gets pulled back a little bit, right, in basketball season. So I want to help bridge not only the gap with your coaches, I want to bridge the gap with sports and, and get your players in here a little bit more, get your coaches in here a little bit more. And uh, let's do this together. But uh, first of all, looking forward to it. It means a lot. You know that personally for you coming in tonight. You're going to do this a lot more. Uh, you're, uh, of course, just another coach. The board is strong here in Southern Sports Center. You guys are uh, well represented. And uh, your your principal would be proud of you tonight because I got a feeling you've done this before, Coach. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, I'd uh, like to thank you for having me on. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll catch up here in a few. But other than that, thank you again. God bless you and your family. And if you need anything, you know, reach out at any point. We'll definitely help you out. If you have a function, maybe a, a, a fundraiser coming up, maybe a camp coming up, let us be the avenue to get the word out. We'll tweet it out, Facebook it out. Of course, we'll put you on the air and let you be a voice as well, Coach. Thanks again. All right. I appreciate it, and I hope you uh, stay safe out there. We'll do it, Coach. All right, guys, let's head to a break. We want to thank the coach there all the way from Fort Dorchester High School in North Charleston, South Carolina. They're kind of that weird area, though, because they're considered a summer school, but they're in North Charleston. But it doesn't matter where they play. They'll play anybody, any day, any way, and it doesn't matter if it's basketball, baseball, badminton, football. They'll just do it. So we're going to do this. we got to go to break because we're taking the trip to Alabama. Get on the bus because we're heading to another high school here tonight before we call it quits, and we're really – Really excited about this next trip that we're taking because we have yet to make it, uh, of course, where we're heading to now and then be introduced here in just a few minutes where we'll be in uh, with uh, a young man who uh, has got big dreams. And I think he's going to have a big future over there in Prattville, Alabama. Prattville High School's uh, the very own Jalen Herbert's going to join us right here next. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get him mic'd up as he's coming to us live from the great state of Alabama. Don't go anywhere, guys.
And welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elvin. This is Southern Sports Central coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, here in the uh, great studios of the Factory Sports Fitness Training. Of course, uh, you can find the guys over there working out right now at 5913 Loftus Road in Hanan, South Carolina. If you want to get a personal trainer, maybe you want to find out the hours of operation, give them a shout, 843-573-7391. Now, of course, uh, this segment brought to you by our friends over at Simmons Barbershop. They're up and running, but don't forget they're closed on Sunday and Tuesday, and they shut down a little earlier on Saturday now at 11 o'clock. Other than that, that gives you Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They're open from about, nah, I'd say about 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.30 possibly, to about 4.30. You want to get in there and uh, get yourself cleaned up for the weekend as it is almost here. Simmons Barbershop is located at 139 North Main Street and Downtown Somerville, it's the oldest barbershop in town and one of the oldest ones in the great state of South Carolina. You can give them a shout at 843-873-2861. And now we're in Alabama. We're at Prattville, Alabama, at Prattville High. And, of course, without further ado, I bring in uh, an athlete, all-around football player, Jalen Herbert. Jalen, what's up, buddy? How's it going, man? It's good. So, Getting in on the radio, I'm not sure how much radio you've got in, but you're going to be my connection over there, and you're going to get me some of your other teammates to join me to, uh, on the show here going forward. But uh, uh, some good news in Alabama, not so much here in South Carolina, but if I'm not mistaken, you guys started playing uh, practice football on Monday, right? Yes, sir. So how was it, man? You guys, I mean, you've been cooped up over there in Alabama. You've been learning at home. Uh, I know you got a job, so you're working on top of that. Now you got to throw football in, but I bet you this is the first time that you're like, man, I'll do whatever I got to do to get to practice on Monday. What was it like, and uh, how did the coaches that you guys, when y'all came back to practice for the first time in months, and maybe since last year that you've seen the football field? Uh, it was just a good experience, you know. Um, I don't think, honestly, the whole team, I don't think we was going to miss each other that much. Um you know, we we got to see each other. We uh hugged each other and all. It's like, like, man, it was crazy, you know. Um, but it felt good to be back with my brothers and um, grind it out, you know, getting back to what we was. Well, I can tell you what is we're live right now, all the way in Prattville, Alabama, at Prattville High School, a school right there in that state that we know oh so well. Between the Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide, they've got. Some Gamecocks, if I'm not mistaken, is a, is another college over there uh, in Jacksonville State. They've got, of course, uh, a few other colleges in the great state of Alabama, but they got great high school football. I mean, you remember Hoover High? That was the NCB made a million on that high school, but it is Prattville High that we're going to focus on tonight with the uh, the All American athlete here, Jalen Herbert, joining us here live on the uh, Temp Farm Hotline, Jalen. So. With you, I saw a lot of working out films. You and I have connected through social media and a few other areas here. But but you've been very awesome in connecting with me. The schools, I said, give me five. You gave me your five schools you're looking at. Of course, we understand it all begins in the classroom. That's nothing uh, new to you as well. But watching you flip tires, watching you work out, making things happen in your own yard because you didn't have access to a gym you know, Alabama football is a way of life. What is it about Alabama to you that you already know that comes a lot of responsibility when you're born and raised in a state like Alabama to play Friday Night Lights? Uh, it's just, you know, it's a lot of pressure, you know. Um, you know, most people, that due to the fact that we have Alabama and Auburn, you know, Alabama kind of sets the tone for college football. So, 
we try to, you know, keep it on. You know, everybody try to work hard, hard as they can. You know, just to, now when uh, it comes to play you, play. when it comes to you, are you an Auburn? And I know this answer already, but for our listeners, when it comes to you, do, do you wear that Alabama A? Or are you supporting that Auburn, uh, Auburn Tiger, you know, hat or, or shirt on a, on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, really, <laughs> um, I'm not really not a, a fan of both of them, but I always go for Auburn, though. <laughs> that always makes an interesting conversation on a Saturday. Yeah, how how weird is it? And again, I, I've been, we've been blessed with having a handful of coaches and, and a few players join us from the state all around uh, there from Tuscaloosa to other schools around the area in Alabama. And right there in Auburn, got a high school as well right there in their backyard. But when it comes down to it, is it heated on uh, during the season? I know, you know, here in South Carolina, we've got the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Now, it's a big robbery. But, man, it ain't nothing like the uh, like the Iron Bowl. That Iron Bowl kind of sets the tone in rivalries. And, you know, and I, and I hate to say that because my Gamecock friends and my, game, my Clemson friends are getting ready to give me a hard time tomorrow. But, but rea- reality-wise is, man, I, you, you, can't, you can't undermine some of the great athletes that have come from both Auburn and Alabama. My favorite athlete of all time, though, by the way, is Bo Jackson. Who is an Auburn Tiger? And Jayla, when you look at it, what, what, how, how different is it with your friends, man? When you guys, is it like here in South Carolina where you got to pick either Auburn or Alabama growing up? Did you have a choice, or, or was it kind of like you're going to pull for this school? This is how it works. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like you're going to pull for this school, uh, you know. Not many people. The only people that, if you don't go for Alabama or Auburn, most likely you're probably not from here. You're probably not from Alabama if you don't. And you'd be surprised how many people not from Alabama pull for Alabama on, a, on any other given day either. But I tell you, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you're winning, man, you, you, all of a sudden your family gets a little bit bigger. It's like winning the lottery. When you win the lottery, all of a sudden you look around and you're, you you got family members you never knew you had. Uh, when you look at it, as we're live right now with Jalen Herbert, he's an athlete, uh, football player over at Prattville, Alabama. Prattville High is the high school where he will uh, go for his senior season coming up this year. And, and how nervous were you when everything shut down, Jalen? You saw some of your brothers who may have ran track or played soccer or did another sport like baseball. You saw their season coming to a screeching halt, right? It's done. They have no other chance. They're seniors. They may never play another at least uh, – season to where it, it is an officiated by a sanctioned body like a school, high school, or college, how nervous were you that, that this day that you got to see Monday may not happen? Uh, I was very nervous, actually, um, you know, because, you know, nobody's seen it coming. You know, um, there was a lot of people getting it in other states, but, like, you know, you don't believe it's going to happen to you until, boom, it happens. So um, I was very nervous. You know, uh, with my senior year, I haven't got all my uh, offers and entrance at all either. So I was like, you know, then I have a couple of friends who have no offers. So, yeah, I started to think more.
Live right now with Jalen Herbert here as he, of course, is coming all the way from Prattville, Alabama. And, of course, Prattville High School is his location for his senior season here coming up. You know, Jalen, when we talked to you, of course, off the air, we, we told you about getting your, your Twitter handle in order, and you've done a great job having all that put in place. And how coaches say that you are to make sure that you have on the top of your feed, right there pinned at the top of Twitter, is your highlight reel, your huddle, if you will. How much have you spread? Have you, have you had the chance to, you know, maybe send some of your huddle films to some of these other coaches? And talk a little bit about as your senior season is here, almost at least, how, how much have you closed the door on some of the schools that you're looking at? Give me some of the highlighted schools that you and I talked about just a few weeks ago. Um, I sent my film to uh, Chattanooga. Me and Chattanooga have been uh, very tight lately. Um, Stanford. Uh, there's a UAB in uh, West Virginia. We've been uh, communicating. When, when you get this film, and this is a good question here because I know I, I didn't heard some of the feedback from some of our, our athletes to come on the show, Jalen. How, how much conversation are these coaches? Because they're not going, they're not able to do certain things, and there's certain things that they can do. How much conversation back and forth? Are these guys responsive pretty quick? Because I know they're not out and about. They're pretty locked and loaded back home. Are you getting a, a good feedback once you send the film? At least they, they you know that they've watched it a little bit? Uh, yes, sir. Um, the ones that do uh, send feedback, they uh, um, the size and stuff like that, uh, I'm only 210. It's like, they would like to see me 220. No, but they, they mm-hmm. uh in contact. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to get to them because, you know, with the corona, um, I was talking to Memphis, and, like, the coach couldn't even talk to me because, like, they was trying to find the, uh, the signees at home. You know, they were trying to make sure they was on top of their stuff just because we got out for corona. They didn't want them to slip or anything like that. So, yeah, and that's, that's something that too, that, you know, these guys are trying to recruit you on top of maintaining, retaining, and uh, all of that in one. Uh, with the guys they have now, they're live right now with Jalen Herbert. He is an athlete, football player over there at Prattville, Alabama, and Prattville High School. Uh, you know, when you start to kind of look at this, uh, you and I talked about a list, uh, a list that you put together. What if you had five schools? What, what are five schools that you would like to attend? And um, talk, tell us a little bit why you would pick these five schools that you've kind of been leaning into uh, here in the last few weeks. Uh, my top five will be South Carolina, uh, Mississippi State, Wofford, Auburn, and Mercer. Um, South Carolina, um, I've always, uh, you know, uh, I've always wanted to play, like, in front of my mom again. Uh, that was about it. That's all, that's the story behind that. Uh, I like their program. Uh, I went to their camp. Uh, Mississippi State just has a great uh, – they have my major. And uh, that's about – that's the story behind them. And Wofford um, – Offered it has a great uh, linebacker core. Um, actually, one of our running backs, uh, Jacquez Allen, uh, plays running back for Wofford. Uh, yeah, that's about it. So you talked about your major. What is the major, Jalen? If you started school right now, what major would you choose uh, if this was going to be your freshman year in college? Uh, I would be doing architectural design just because, like, as I was young, I just, I always wanted to, like, build with the Lego blocks and all. And so I just, you know, I just always wanted to build things and saw construction sites. I just always wanted to be a part of that and say I built that, you know. 
Right. Engineering's a big thing, man. I tell you what, Clemson's got a good engineer program, and there's a bunch of other schools around the country. South Carolina, you mentioned them, the Gamecocks, of course. Uh, yeah, family here in South Carolina. That's always a big thing to, to get you kind of uh, back home, if you will, at least around uh, your mom. And I understand that 100%. I, we've talked to a lot of athletes here, and, and that's a lot of decisions that they make. And if you ever watch National Science Day, you can always count on Mama. She's always going to be right there beside you, no matter where you go. She's uh, usually uh, your first love and your last love, all right? And she's always going to be there for you, all right? So that's one thing a coach here, he used to coach at Somerville. Now he's at Oceanside. He used to always break down the guys, and the last thing he would tell them is go home and love your Mama. So uh, you, you can hear that in your voice as well, and that's heartwarming for me, and I know Mom's listening uh, to you as well. Now, that being said, you know, when you try to put things in here, what are your goals here coming up in 2020 as your senior season? What are some of the things you'd like to accomplish uh, this year in your final high school football career? To lead 7-8 uh, football in sacks. Um, I would like to leave out with 30 sacks, um, 30 sacks for my career. Uh, I just want to get some interceptions. You know, I, I only got one interception <laughs> in my lifetime, so. I want to get more of those. we got to put yourself in that position, Jalen. Uh, first of all, man, uh, and I want to talk to you about Mercer real quick because it, it, it hit me when you sent that to me a while back. But why Mercer? What is there about Mercer? Mercer, I, I understand all the schools. I understand Mercer, but I want to hear your side of it because I can tell you, Mississippi State, great school. South Carolina, another great school. You mentioned uh, Wofford. Now, Wofford, I'm going to tell you something. Wofford's a fine school to go to, my man. It is a part of the Southern Conference. These guys do some great stuff. Uh, the uh, legendary Hunter Renfro, wide receiver for Clemson, that now plays for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. His dad is actually uh, was the athletic director of my high school and was my high school coach, but he actually was a defensive back at, uh, at, at Wofford. So, uh, that's a great school. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it's easy to get a job. It's like the Citadel. Maybe that's another spot you can look at, too, on your board. That's here in Charleston um, that you uh, can look at. But uh, what, 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 what is it about Mercer? What, how did they end up on your radar in your top five? Uh, Mercer, Mercer uh, they've always hit me up um, since, like, ninth grade, actually. Uh, they saw me for the first time, and they just, you know, they've been in contact ever since. So, I mean, that's all that, you know, they show love, you know, and so – like a home feel when I visit. I went to the camp last year, got a feel of the campus. And, um, you know, the coaches are real, real good. You know, the coaches are very good. That's all that. Live right now with really Jalen Herbert. He's coming all the way from Prattville, Alabama. Prattville High School is where the bus is stopped right now as we're doing uh, a little campus tour, meeting up with an up-and-coming senior here uh, a few states away in our uh, behind us, if you will. And uh, we appreciate you giving up your Thursday night to hang out with us tonight, Jalen. So what was it like, uh, go back to practice on Monday, because, uh, again, here in South Carolina, the Skeezer, which is uh, – it's a high school league, but it's it, it's uh, it's a private school league here in, in South Carolina. They started practicing on Monday. Now, you guys, of course, are a public school, if I'm not mistaken. What was it like? So you get to practice on Monday – Kind of walk us through the first hour of practice uh, from walking on the campus. Did they did they make you guys kind of get tests done or, or anything like that? What was practice like on Monday? Uh, it's been I'm not gonna lie, it's been kind of I'm not gonna say hard. It's just been kind of you know weird because 
you got to come in, you got to wear your mask. Um, you know, you, you got to have your mask on at all times. Even when we're stretching, you got to have your mask on. And it gets hard to, <laughs> it gets hard to breathe sometimes. Um, but, like, you know, I mean, other than that, I'm just glad to be back with the team. Glad to be back to be doing what I love. So. Now, when they situated you guys, Jalen, so you get there, you got to have your mask on, you're stretching out. Did they go through drills? Is that kind of how it works there? Did you guys have stations kind of put in place, Jalen, where, uh, let's say, the offensive uh, – the, the, let's say the, let's go defense because you're a defensive linebacker. So, did they have the linebacker core over here doing drills and then they have the DBs over here and the defensive line over here? How was it positioned out so that you guys were actually separated enough to where there weren't be um, – you guys getting too close together? Uh, they have uh... – um, shoot, my bad. They have like offensive group. Uh, they go first, and then the defensive group. We come in and just finish the day. Uh, then we go home. Uh, yeah, it's that's the weirdest thing about it. You know, you don't get to see your, you don't get to see the quarterback. You know, you don't get to see your O line and all the flashing receivers. You know, you don't get to talk your, talk your crap. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you that, that's you part of the game. So, so basically, Jalen, and, and I guess we're kind of figuring this thing out, where Jalen's over there in Alabama at Prattville High School in Prattville, Alabama, they started practice Mondays, so they have to wear a mask 24-7 on the field. That's, that's, a, that's a guarantee. That has to happen. He talks about how hard it is to breathe because it is hot in Alabama, by the way. They, what, we do in, what we do in hurricanes here in South Carolina, for those here on the coast, they do in tornadoes, right? They have air horns in the state of Alabama. I mean, it is the real deal. Uh, and, by the way, there is some tropical uh, weather coming up through the Gulf right now, as I mentioned that. But uh, then he says, of course, uh, the offense comes early, the defense comes late. They don't even see each other. I guess that's a way, Jalen, for these coaches to kind of minimize the opportunity and maximize the opportunity uh, in, in the same game. That way you guys aren't too close together. How hard was it for you guys? That you haven't seen each other in months, right? You've talked on the phone, or maybe you have. Some of you guys may have seen each other, but – you haven't been on the football field in, in, in six months because season's been over for quite some time and in weight rooms together in at least a couple of months. You know, how hard was it for you not to go, you know, hug your brother, dab him up a little bit, love him a little bit, do it the normal of, uh, you know, somebody you haven't seen in a long time. How hard was it and how hard were the coaches on blowing those whistles when you guys got a little too close? Yeah, it's very hard because, you know, us boys, you know, boys are going to be boys. You know, we're going to rest. We're going to want to rest all the time. Uh, it's just, you know, just being, I don't know. It, it's just hard, you know, because we're so used to wrestling all the time and we can't. So it's like, we just, we sit right there bored, basically. Yeah. I would rather be bored on a football field than busy in the house or whatever else you've been doing. And I know you got a full time job and, of course, you finish school and the school's over, correct? I mean, everything's done. Your 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 books are in, and 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 it's officially is it summertime in Prattville, Alabama now? Everybody's out. Okay, how did how did how, let's talk grades real quick because that's the number one thing that's going to get you to college. You could give me five, heck, you could have given me thirty schools you want to go to, but without grades, none of this happens. How do we do, man? We 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 get into the senior year with ease a little bit. Mom, dad, everybody proud of you for for the effort that you put in there in your. Uh, Final segment in your fourth quarter? Uh, yes, sir. Um, 
Uh, it was actually, at first it was frustrating, but, you know, I, I started to get the hang of things, started adapting more. And, uh, you know, I just zoomed through it, and uh, I finished for A's and B's for my uh, final segment. So. Good job. Well done. Well, we're proud of you, man. So here's your assignment from us, all right? We need you to get some guys on here, okay? I want you uh, – you've got my direct number. you also got ways to get in touch with me through social media. Um, I, will, I want some players. I, I'd love to get involved with your coach. Um, we take a lot of pride in being in your hallways, being in your schools, and who knows if I make the trip to Prattville, Alabama, uh, to come see you play or maybe just come and take a tour of your campus there. Uh, it's not unheard of. We've been to a couple of other campuses outside of the area, so – uh, you, you never know what the opportunity may bring, but I would love to get some of your other big-time players like yourself come in here, talk some football with us, and uh, let's have some fun. But most of all, stay safe. Stay distance, man. I know it's hard. And, uh, you, you know, you also have a job during the day. You also need to make sure we're maintaining that as well because uh, you got a mission, and, and, and it's almost over with getting your education in high school. But for you to get to college, we got to get you through your senior season healthy. So, uh much love to you, man, and I'm proud of you. Congratulations on making it to the next grade, the final chapter of your high school career, and congratulations on making it back to the football field, man. That's That's got to be a, a reward in itself. But uh, we're going to do this a lot, Jalen, so uh, by the time this is over and said and done with, radio will be something else that you can say you just normally do, like tackling quarterbacks, brother. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, man. Enjoy the rest of the night. I'll catch up with you off the air, but you did a good job tonight, man. We look forward to getting you back and uh, – Tell the family we said hello, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, how about that? We make a trip all the way to Alabama. Alabama. Sweet home Alabama. Prattville, Alabama, if you will. Prattville High School. Jalen Herbert comes in here. He's a junior, now a senior. He is an upcoming senior here. It is his team. He will be a captain. Again, it goes with the flow. Uh, But you can hear in his mind, he finishes with A's and B's. He wants to, you know, he wants to design. He's an engineer mindset. You start hearing him talk about blocks as a kid, and he uses that to propel him into his future. And he talked about Mercer, how it, it, it really they, – they were the first to get to the party. He's a loyal man. Right off the rip, you hear how he appreciates the gentleman who gave him his first attention, right? I think that's huge. Talked about mom there, how she's in the state of South Carolina, and being a Gamecock could be a possibility for the Gamecocks to have a, a linebacker. You know, we've had a linebacker on here before. Remember Bryson Allen Williams? Yeah, that young man at Cedar Grove High School in Atlanta, Georgia. Very similar to how this young man came on the show as an upcoming senior, and we followed him all the way through his senior season. He went to multiple colleges, came back, gave us reports, and uh, it went so well his mom ended up becoming co-host with me. And uh, Darnisha, you guys know her well. As, uh, it was a lot of fun. To, uh, to to talk to Jalen. He did a great job. Not all guys can talk on the radio, but he is a natural. So maybe broadcasting is in the future, guys. Final break. We'll recap the show. It was definitely a busy one here tonight. Had a lot to cover. And we'll uncover it when we come back, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio.
This is Southern Sports Central. Of course, we want to thank all of our guys that joined us today. We did get word. Jay Williams, of course, he did have something else that kind of came up. When you're the commissioner, commissioning things happen. And he had uh, another obligation. And like I told Jay from day one, brother, you're number one party of those young people, right? This is just something that we got a chance to do, but we got time to do with getting you in here. So uh, he'll be back in here with us uh, possibly as early as Sunday, but definitely by next Thursday he'll join us again as Jay Williams is the South Carolina Youth Football Association Commissioner. And uh, we're looking forward as we've partnered with those great, uh, great guys uh, of uh, the cheerleaders, of course, the uh, football players, the parents, everybody involved. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. We've been invited to football practices, so we're going to take them up on it. We're going to be hitting the road here and uh, hitting some football practices. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch some of these young guys and we're going to shake some hands and say hello to uh, the guys that we're going to be talking about them on Saturday night as we are hosting the game of the week uh, with these guys. So it's going to be a lot of fun coming up. It's going to be a busy, 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 busy fall. We're looking forward to that. Then at 7 o'clock, how about this? Vic Penn, who, uh, you know, this guy is an amazing gentleman. I had a chance to get to know him uh, on, on many levels. But, of course, he now lives in Gulf Breeze, Florida. It's the same, same time frame as Alabama, an hour behind us. Uh, but, uh, of course, he was a quarterback for the Gamecocks. He went. Uh, to Kansas to play some junior college ball in between, uh, finished off at Central Florida where he learned so much and then took his talents to Canada, then into arena football, and then said, you know what, I got all this coaching under me. I got all this stuff around me. Why don't I do something? Why don't I give back? And all this pandemic of of COVID-19 and virtual learning and virtual this, that, and the other, why don't I do a virtual quarterback training? So he did it. And uh, we're going to release his information on our Twitter page at SO Sports Central and on Facebook here at the end of the show so that you can contact him. We even give you his phone number as uh, he handed it out, so it's all good to do that. But you can 
uh, reach out to him. Now, he grew up, by the way, down on the tip bottom of Florida at Miami, Miami, Florida, where he went to Miami High School. So, uh, you know, great athletes come from that side of the world. 6A football at its best down there. And uh, we enjoyed about 35 minutes with him as he shared a huge storyline. And, uh, again, adversity built character, which has built success in his life. And uh, we just appreciate uh, Vic for being a part of our show tonight. Then went to Fort Dorchester, as we have been there before. But this time we get a chance to get here with Coach McElveen, uh, who is the head men's basketball coach for Fort Dorchester. He joined us. And uh, we talked about multiple things. You know, we talked about his basketball team, of course, and a few other things. And uh, we got into the conversation of all what we're dealing with right now. And uh, the world is we're trying to uh, reunite everybody, get everybody together, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, numbers – uh, won't lie, we can get things that, together a lot better if we just uh, join arms and, and let's move in the right direction as we're doing that here on the show. Of course, uh, just finished up with Jalen Herbert. He is a young man, an upcoming senior. Uh, he's an athlete, he's a linebacker. I'm sure the kid can play about anywhere. Uh, very intelligent in the classroom and very athletic on the football field, but he comes all the way from Prattville, Alabama. Prattville uh, High School is uh, his home over there. We're going to look forward to getting some of his buddies on here, getting to get a coach or two on here. So now we've got another high school that we're going to be writing on the board, and uh, maybe he can send us some swag and we can represent that Prattville High football shirt. But uh, that's something else that we're going to start doing is getting some helmets for some of these cats and putting them in here in the studio. And we are going to go Facebook Live on uh, the first show in July. So if it's a Sunday or Tuesday or Thursday, we will be on Facebook Live at Southern Sports Central. So go ahead and mark your calendars. We're going to get through this month. We may do a couple of surprise shows on Facebook Live to kind of get the, uh, the, the cranks out, but we are definitely going to do that. I think it's an opportunity for us to uh, take the show to the next level. I thought about YouTube, and I just think Facebook Live may be a, a little better angle here. We'll, we'll, we'll look at it throughout this month of June, and uh, we'll get into it. I said it earlier in the show. I want to make sure that I say it again. If you have graduated in the last few weeks, we say congratulations to you. Uh, I know the colleges graduated a while back, uh, the senior classes there, but I know high school right now. These guys are going through uh, a lot of uh, graduations. And the best thing I've seen out of this whole COVID thing when it comes down to some things is graduating on football fields. God bless them. Oh, boy, I tell you, I love every bit of it. I graduated on a football field. It's a lot better than in a gym or in a coliseum. You have no history in a coliseum. You have your history as only a football field. Either you played on it or you went there on Friday night and cheered for those who played on it. A football field is where graduation, it should be a state law, a national law going forward. And I just think I understand the um, – I understand when it comes down to – uh, you, you know, uh, you athletes that I've talked to, that grandmas can't be there, or certain people can't be there. Yes, I, I get that you would like them to be there. But take in this moment. Take in the opportunity that, that I can tell you that for the last 20 years they've graduated in coliseums around here, and, and, and the atmosphere is nowhere near as cool as you're going to see on your graduation. If you don't believe me, ask them, uh, some athletes uh, and, and some other students here that have graduated on their football field in the last couple of days. It's pretty daggum awesome, and it's a memory that you'll always make, and it's an opportunity that you'll be glad you took as well because it's just so much better. You know, I graduated on a football field, and uh, it, it was every, 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 every bit of uh, a memory that I will always remember. 
you know, back then, Socrates High School was one of the second or third largest high school in the state. So we overcame the whole what how big we were. Uh, you know, most high school stadiums, they have enough seating. They can make it work. I, I, I really believe. Even over at Wando High School, it's the largest high school in the state of South Carolina. It's a college, for God's sake. But they have college stadium seating. I mean, it's, it's as advertised. Um, I just think that uh, maybe – uh, whoever that can make that decision can make it, but it's 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 okay to be inside when it's raining, boy. But when the clouds are gone or it's cool and breezy or whatever it is, it's just a great place to be on the football field. It has been a great show. We've covered a lot, talked a lot about the basketball. Uh, you know, we're we're going to do a little bit of basketball because as each sport starts to transition back, we're going to give it the love and respect. I know we do a lot of football on this show. We do a lot of high school and college on this show, but as football. As baseball, as basketball, as any other sport starts to transition back to the world, we are going to give you the headlines. We're not going to try to highlight as much negative news as, as, as we try not to, but we are going to highlight the real stuff. We are going to be the positive, the voice, the ones who try to make that transition so us um, can understand more. I want you to understand that not all media is bad, as you heard earlier with Coach uh, Thomas mentioned that not all cops are bad, not all media is bad. Don't hold everybody accountable for that other person, okay? Each person is held accountable for their own actions. Here at Southern Sports Central, we take a lot of pride in being, you know, open-hearted. We love that neighbor. We love uh, everybody and everybody. That's just how it works out, um, you know. And, and then one thing, again, that I want to challenge you, and I said this earlier in the show as well, and I'm going to end it with this. Starting tomorrow, when you go to your job, when you sit down at lunch, sit down with somebody different. When you talk to somebody, talk to somebody different. Find out more about somebody you didn't know about before you got to work. You should be able to come home tomorrow night and make that your mission for the next three months is to, to get to know everybody in your office more than you knew about them before. Kind of get out of the normal routine. You remember their movie, Remember the Titans, where they were fighting on the field and the coach had gotten enough of it, so he – he, he ended up putting them in rooms together so that they had to learn about each other. And, yeah, it wasn't easy. And some of it was an uncomfortable conversation, and I'm sure of that. But they were bonded more together as brothers, and, and in this case, in our world, sisters as well. And I can't tell you enough, this world will become a better place if that one person makes that one move. It becomes a domino effect, guys. It just It's inevitable. I mean, when somebody looks at you, they walk down the street and they smile at you, it's kind of hard not to smile back. I mean, you can even see with these masks on, when their eyes go up, their cheekbones go up, it's pretty common that they're smiling behind that mask. So the best advice I'm going to say to you, and uh, we're going to take off, of course, tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, We'll be back here on uh, Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Come on in. Uh, We're going to work on a few topics. We'll we'll get that out there on Twitter at SO Sports Central. And on Facebook, it's Southern Sports Central, depending on what we're going to talk about. Uh, and we may make a campus tour. We'll wait and see. Uh, right now, we've uh, got a couple of schools we've been talking to. But we'll just kind of wait and see what's going to kind of unfold here in the um, uh, it, it, as we put everything in, in perspective. But, um, you know, it, it's always an opportunity to get involved in. Now, um, I'll say this as well. So, uh, on Saturday, uh, if you're in the low country, all right, if you're in the low country, I'm going to invite you to come out with myself and another gentleman, and we do workouts over there at Gahagan Park. And there's another guy, Coach Otis is over there with a lot of guys from Fort and some other guys. 
But uh, we want to work you guys out to the point that when you go to your practices, you're ready to roll. So if you're in the Charleston area, you're listening, reach out to me on Facebook at Richie Altman. Reach out to me on Twitter at Richie Altman. Inbox me, and, and we'll get you the information. But we'll be at Gahagan Park on Saturday. We'll, we're going to do what we do. We'll run for about an hour and a half. I'll run with you. And then um, 707, we're, we're going to get you ready because we want you to go back to school uh, to your teams, and we want you to be ready to get it done. Also, if you're in the Charleston area or you can get to the Charleston area on um, the upcoming this Saturday, you can get quarterback training from Perry Orth. He is going to be over there in Mount Pleasant at 1251 Park West Boulevard in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina from 4 to 6. Reach out to him. He's at QB1 underscore athletics. We will retweet that as well. Again, we want to do everything we can do, guys, to get you guys as educated and ready to roll because when this season gets here, you don't know whether you're going to get all 11 or 12 games or you might just get one or two games. You just don't know. And every game needs to be your final game. Every play needs to be your final play. You need to be ready. Guys and girls, treat this season accordingly. Respect the season coming. You saw your brothers and sisters' seasons get shut way too short in the spring. It can happen to you. And trust me, with all these individuals who have been really close in the last, I'd say, what, couple of days, it's a poison situation with this coronavirus. It did not take halftime. It is not halftime in the Corona Bowl, okay? It's still live and local, and it's hitting rapidly, okay? And these towns will shut down if there is a threat. We will get back to where we were just three or four weeks ago. I cannot repeat enough. There is, this is not the Corona Bowl, and it isn't halftime. It's still doing what it does. So please make it a point to do the right thing, say the right thing, look at your neighbor, let them know you love them. Guys, be the difference. Be the light. You know that song in church you used to sing, that little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Go out there and let your light shine. Go out there and be the difference. Don't, don't matter. Don't matter what somebody says to you. Look at them and smile. Kill them with kindness. I just really believe in my heart that we got this, guys. We're athletes. 90% of the people I think that are listening to this show are athletes, the former athletes, guys. We've been through worse. We've, we've gotten through together. All right? There's been some Friday nights. We didn't think we were going to make it. We made it. There's some other games that you might have been through that you didn't think you could do it, but you did it, guys. So I'm going to send you off with this. God bless. Take care to the guests tonight. Thank you for our sponsors. Thank you. For the listeners tonight, thank you. We just wishing everybody a safe and enjoyable weekend. We'll see you again live right here on Sunday night. Eugene will come back with a report from the Ohio State as him and his kickers are there kicking some things around. Until next time, we say so long, farewell, and God bless, guys. Have a great night and a better weekend. We'll see you Sunday night right here on Blog Talk Radio at 6 o'clock. Where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along 
touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you And it don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Hurting runs off my shoulder How can I hurt when holding you? Warm, touching warm. 